It's time for a smashing cast from the present. Produced by Michael, the Exo Paradigm Gamer. Consulted by Haydox, the uh, Haydox. Supervised by Ryan, the Rye Rule. And directed by Dan, the King K. It's the Unversed cast. Greetings and welcome back, gentlemen and ladies, men, to the perennial. E3 podcast on Unverse Cast. I'm By Michael. the way, XO, before I forget, Jay wanted me to tell you that he said that you have a nice hat. Aww. Our friend Jay's Reviews said that? Yes. He said nice hat. <laughs> Do you mean youtube.com slash user Jay Reviews? Jay of Jay's Reviews? Before... That's youtube.com slash C slash Papa J Mac. And I'll thank you to get it right. <laughs> okay. Before we begin, right. I want to say to the fellow podcast listeners, uh, comment below <laughs> if how you eat peanuts, because I'm very curious. Last time we got some good feedback, but I feel like a lot of you aren't really putting out right now. Are you? <laughs> do you eat peanuts with the shells on or off? Please let me know. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Okay, uh, so now that that frivolous conversation is over with, Thanks. we can move on to... So are we are we going to do fan fiction or are we just going to get right no. into E3? No, let's just get no. right into the news. <laughs> All right. Let's just get right into the news. <laughs> Very cool. You know, and I, I feel bad, and I also want to kind of put this out here in case this person's watching, because uh, I was talking to someone on a stream and he was being like, oh, hey, man. I got a fan fiction that you should read. I'm like, hey, send that to my friend Exo Paradigm Gamer on Twitter and we'll read it on the podcast. He's like, yo, man, that's dope. And then I realized that Exo doesn't accept messages only from people that, you know, he knows. So, I'm sorry. I done fucked it up. Uh, send it to... Send it to Ryan and Ryan will send it to me. Except I don't have a Twitter, so... Um, tweeted at Ray William Johnson. He'll get it. Well, you you, you would have talked on Discord, it. wouldn't you, Ryan? No, no, no. It was on it was on Jeb's live stream of Sonic Heroes. Oh, and you don't need to DM it. You can just tweet it. <laughs> yeah, just tweet it at me. <laughs> that is he's, he's, nobody's even gonna see it though, <laughs> like except for him. Well, I mean, it could be one of those situations where the person who wanted to share the fanfic has his like real account. And he doesn't want to be messaging random people fanfic links. <laughs> Maybe. That could this be is it. a weird conversation we're having. Why? Anyways. Is it um, really anything that we're not used to at this point? I don't know, friends. So today <laughs> we're going to talk about the Electronic like... Entertainment Expo and reporting live from the scene, King K. Oh my god, do we have an exclusive? We have an exclusive interview with someone who's been to E3 physically. Oh my god, this is exclusive fucking news! So that, that means... Great? And that's actually invaluable to this podcast, uh, because, you know, usually in the past when we've done these things, it's always like, oh, maybe the game will be like this, maybe not, we don't know yet, and then because we didn't get to play it. wrong. Because I was not there. True. I was not there. <laughs> because King K specifically was not there. I think the it's so it means that like if we have questions about the Final Fantasy VII remake and how that plays, King K can 
answer those. So that'll be good. I think too it's worth noting that King K was graciously flown out to E3 by Ryan's pocket funds for the fanfic <laughs> corner. So that means that folks get ready for more fanfiction in the coming years. We're not stopping. You know, it's all, if... it's all because of Ryan. Hmm. <laughs> Aww. You know, I mean, you know, for Ryan, for someone who profits significantly from our fanfic corner that is named after yours truly, <laughs> you, you sure seem to hate doing fanfiction. I'm just saying. He's too it rich. Hurts. He's a humble man. He knows that every time we do fanfiction, he's going to be making a lot of money. Guys, I don't want to profit off you anymore, but you won't let me stop. He's a nice friend. <laughs> King K, now that we're off this wonderful joke. I want to shift the topic focus over to you. Um, the first question about E3 I wanted to ask was, how did it smell? It actually was not that bad. Ah. I mean, you could certainly smell some interesting smells, but it, it wasn't <laughs> that bad, really. I mean, people like. Did it smell like the Smash I mean, I guess if you were in like a huge crowd, it's kind of inevitable, but. I think people overreact right. about that kind of stuff. Maybe my, my nose is just clogged. I could smell some things, I guess. <laughs> How would you rate I, it? I'd rate the smell about a seven. Yeah. Okay. I'm satisfied. A seven? Wow, that's actually kind of high. Now, did you yeah. see any famous celebrities? <laughs> um... I saw the. <laughs> I did you did you see the really game anybody, But I saw a Nintendo Capri Sun in the same line as me. I saw. Oh. Um. I saw the Game Explain people in the same line as me ahead of me. It was always in a line, mm. so I couldn't like talk to them because we were in a line. But. Um, Right. Yeah, going to E3 sounds like a going to Disneyland. You go to California and My wait in line. My feet do hurt right now a lot. Thanks. I'll just say, like a lot. <laughs> but <clears throat> why Disneyland and not Disney World, hey! Mister Paradigm Gamer? You know what? Uh, because most people like Disneyland more. That's not true. <laughs> but we're not going to discuss that today. <laughs> um. I wanted that that was something that I was like I don't use Twitter but I did stalk your page cuz I was trying to find silly mm -hmm. photos of you which you there are I'll put them up now Yeah, I was <laughs> you on the bike Yeah, those ones are good. I like it. I wanted to photoshop it um this would have been the joke but I wanted to photoshop it in the Shadow of the Hedgehog box art where he's on the motorcycle, <laughs> but I didn't have time to. That was going to be my presentation. Shadow of the K. <laughs> Shadow of the K hog. That one did not land, Michael. I apologize. You know what? I should you're, send you're apologizing you, I'll to send me. You some pictures, and you can put it in the podcast. I don't have that many. Oh. I have one where I'm like That's nice. standing next to cyberpunk people, and I'm like twice their size. <laughs> And then I have one where <laughs> I, I'm in like a Crash Team Racing cart with sunglasses. Mm. And then yes. I have one that's like a cool panoramic video thing where I'm on the Final Fantasy VII motorcycle. I can send you the MP4 of that too, because I have that on my phone. This is exciting. Yeah, for those of you not in the know, King K is a fucking giant. He's like I'm six foot. Six foot. How tall are you? 
How tall? He's like six, like foot, six foot six. Billion. Probably. What? Yeah. You're holy shit. What this is no fuck? joke. You are a no Chad. What the fuck? I, I'm just I'm just a measly five Hold ten on, and a half. Share, I want to wow, show you this I, picture the, right now. I think I sh I shared this earlier. All of my testosterone left my body. I just feel very intimidated now. Uh, uh, are you? XO, put up the picture of uh, Hadox trying to have facial hair. This, this no, is like stop it. I'm next to two moderately sized people, and that's me in the middle. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> I I, I uh, legitimately thought those two people were short. No, they're they're like they're pretty like you know they're standard size. They're not short by any means. Standard size. I guess size. I see everybody is shorter than me usually, <laughs> so I don't know. Shit, How's man, the weather up there? You know what? It's really bad. It's ninety fucking degrees. Fucking hot. Welcome to California. No, <laughs> King K. What you played? I guess a, a substantial amount mm -hmm. of games. But what were the highlights? Um, are you just gonna go straight into that? Why not? Why don't we go? I was gonna say do it raw, but that felt <laughs> a little dirty, so I'm not gonna say that. So I'll instead, say it. Let's, let's do it say, raw. Let's go in without any lube, without any okay. prep. Okay. Well, I, I don't want to start with a favorite game I play. Back. That would be too much. Okay. I think. I have a list. I put down a list of things that I played. Because I didn't... I played... Basically, I played everything I wanted to play. But I obviously couldn't play everything there. Some of them were appointment-based. Um, mm. What do you... How about this? What do you want to know about the most? We can talk about that. Um... I kind of want to know. Did they didn't have any Animal Crossing they did not. demo? Did Animal they? Crossing wasn't there. Uh, okay. Uh, I have a question about that. Actually, was yeah. that game announced before E3? Yes. Yes, it was announced it was. last year in September. Really? Yep. The, okay. Like I feel like Animal Crossing fans have been complaining about. Not having a new game announced this whole time. No, I think it was uh, early this year or last E3 or something. I don't remember when. It was in September when the Animal Crossing got announced. It was when Isabel <laughs> yeah. got announced in Smash. Then after that, they re they said, "Oh yeah, we're working on Animal Crossing." By the way. Yeah. I I okay. think people so, just. But did we know the title no. or what the game was? People no. Just okay. We just knew that info. they were making the game. The, okay, so all we knew that was that the game existed, none of the details. Yeah. Right. Okay. Alright, that makes sense. Because I feel like I had never seen New Horizons before the Direct this week. No one all right, had. Anyways, continue. The Animal Crossing had no presence I, um, at all. I did watch um the Treehouse live event for that, and ah, damn, it looks so fun. I'm so excited. We should have an unversed cast town. We should make it ourselves. Yeah. We should. I like the sound of that. Rope Michael in, and he can run around aimlessly and get upset, and then stand in a corner and cry. <laughs> also, you have to add me on his switch. That is true. He hasn't well, done you, that yet. If you wanted me to add you on switch, why didn't you send an invite? What do you mean send an invite? Well, we have to okay, play. Well, 
But you, we can we can we can take care of this <laughs> later. Um, um King K, did you play Luigi's yeah, Mansion 3? What did you think of that? What do I think? You know what? <laughs> Don't you know make what? Fun I want to let him finish. Just let him talk first, and then you can okay. fire back. Um, I feel like Michael, Michael and I have very different opinions on Luigi's Mansion, and I, I, I don't know yours, Ryan, specifically, whether you fall in Michael's <laughs> camp of preferring Dark Moon over the original. Um, well, I... <laughs> I don't like the, I didn't like the first Luigi's Mansion, so I didn't waste my time with the second, Ooh. so... Ooh. And, yeah, the, the second one is much better. That's a little I'm just wrong, say that. but whatever. Um, <laughs> I was excited watching it because they have the portrait ghost back, which I really love a lot. Do they? Yeah, but they're 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 a bit different. I did, I did not different. see them. They're a bit different. Um, the land, the mansion seems a bit more linear than uh, the first one. It seems the like the first one wasn't non-linear though. <laughs> yeah, it was very deadlocked where you were supposed <laughs> to go at any time. <laughs> Michael, I, I, but there's a difference between like the mission structure and the hub structure is what I mean. My sick, dumb brain is even stupider now, and I can't really think well, Michael. So I would appreciate you bearing with me. Um, no, but uh, I liked. I like that um, it's contained in one thing. There's no like break in the gameplay, so it's just all continuous. Um, I think I thought the variation was kind of cool that there's like different elements and stuff. The slamming seems really fun, uh, and I don't know, the music was really fun. What I listened to, um, and I just like I like Luigi's animations and the ghost animations too. I'm a little, I was a little bit worried about the frame rate, but uh. Yeah. Anyways, respond, please, Michael, if you want. I mean, were, I, if there were portrait ghosts, I didn't see them in the trailer we got. They, they were like I, I saw the, like a tall lady at the beginning, yeah, that would, welcoming them to the hotel, but she didn't even look like a ghost. There, there were some um, in there was the jousting. Did you see that? There was the little jousting room. Yeah, that just looked like a boss, though. That was a portrait ghost. Okay, so uh, do we have confirmation from Nintendo yes. that, yes, this is the same thing as the first game? No, the same system? It's. I don't know if it's the same system, but they just said portrait ghosts are back. That's what I, I mean. don't... Okay, you want me to say... So, I want to say something now. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is the difference between a portrait ghost and a boss? I don't know. I think it's the same kind of... I don't get it, because if we're talking portrait ghosts, if portrait ghosts are just <laughs> mini bosses you find in the mansion, the, the I fought the medieval horse. What I did mm -hmm. was you get to play like a floor of the mansion. Experience. They told me that every floor is themed differently, so every floor is like a mini mansion almost. Yeah, it's kind of like if if Luigi Mansion's Luigi Mansion, <laughs> Luigi's Mansion Two, if that game. If the mission structure was like every single mission you went to a new mansion, that's kind of what it seems like for Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh. That's interesting. That um there's conflicting I can... information though, because I've read things that are like 
there's a, a hub of the hotel fucking idea what like because I only got to play one of these floors and it was the medieval floor and basically what it was was like it was a collection right. of rooms that led to a boss battle it, it felt pretty simple it seems like it was one of the early floors because it was pretty hmm. simple the boss wasn't that hard um but that thing, if that like, if a portrait ghost is just the mini boss you find randomly, the portrait ghosts are not in it because that's just the boss. That's just like a full-on boss. You fight the boss, you get like a light bulb or something. I don't know what Do it's you... used for because that's when the demo ended. But I have no idea. I mean, was it the dark light thing. device? The I don't know if that's just yeah. I don't know if that's just for the oh, demo, okay. but. The dark light device? What you have is the... Yeah, that was, that was a mechanic from uh, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon. You can suck and shoot, and then you have the dark light. Mm. That's what you start, that's, at least in the demo, I don't know if that's how it is right. in the game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and it's not... Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I... Because it sounds like you're... Uh, pretty positive towards Luigi's Mansion 3 from what you've seen, Hadox? Yeah, I would say so. Alright, well, I definitely am as well, because um, it reminds me a lot of Dark Moon. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Next Level Games was making it, because it looks and the music, too, sounds very similar to Dark Moon's. The ghost designs remind me of it. The strobe bulb is back. The dark light device evidently is back as well. And what I like about it is that it seems like they're beefing up combat. Um, you can tell us more about that, King K, from what you played. But like, just the addition of that slam move and being able to like slam ghosts into each other to knock down health. It seems like they're going in the direction of okay, we have this core gameplay that was really, really kind of underdeveloped in my opinion in the first game and got better in the second game and it seems like in this third game they're like okay let's add the plunger let's add the slam let's add that burst attack thing and let's use that to make combat set pieces a little bit more engaging than the first two games and I think that's good and I also I'm also intrigued about this idea of you know each floor you play through a chunk of rooms and basically you know, solve puzzles and fight ghosts, and then you fight yeah. a boss at the end. Mm. That sounds interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to this as well. But do you have any more observations about the gameplay you'd like to share with this King K since you played it? First, I would like to yeah. I was just about to say I didn't. Um, I was about to comment on the combat. It's kind of like so. Once you strobe something. Um, you can just start sucking it in, and as soon as you suck, like, as soon as you start the sucking process, a bar will form, like, a circular thing over your head, and then when it fills up, you can press the A button okay. and just start slamming it. So it sounds... And what it does is it, it, like, it'll, if you hit a ghost with it, it'll stun them, like, pin them to the ground and take off 20 HP. But you can't, like, capture a ghost by okay. killing it. You have to still suck it up. And when you, after you hit it, after you hit it and they get out of their stun phase, they immediately disappear and you have to find them again. So what it seems like is you can use the slam to, to not only take down the HP of the thing you're sucking, but you can also use, like, to take down the HP yeah. of everything around you. 
but you can't use it to finish things off. You also, once you're done slamming it, you lose hold of the ghost, so you might not want to do it too early, because once you start doing it, once you do it three times, it'll escape, and then you, huh. you're, like the process will be done. And I, I don't know, I can't remember if like if you get big like combos that you get more money. Is that how it, like? Is that when? Uh, yeah, is that when like Dark I Moon? think I uh, depending Moon, on how many ghosts you sucked up at once in Dark Moon, you would get more money rewarded from that, and then the money was used to upgrade the meter on your dark light device and the power of your vacuum. Yeah, so it seems like using the slam would interrupt huh. that, obviously. And you can't you can only slam one at a time, so you probably couldn't you wouldn't be able to suck them so, all at once if you were trying to slam. Uh, them. The way it worked in Dark Moon was because it's like in the first game you had to like keep jiggling the control stick around to whittle their health down faster. In the second game, they introduced like this little meter that would fill up, yeah. and when it filled up, you could press the A button to like suck a little faster for a moment and it would shave off more HP that way. So it sounds like they replaced. I don't think I remember that. Yeah, I don't think that's in three because I didn't get the opportunity to do that at all. The A okay. press that you get instead is the slam. It's the same thing. A bar okay, I'm not up, sure I slam. like that then. So it seems I'm not like sure that I like that thing because it sounds like because I was excited about it because it sounded like we were getting more combat options to kill ghosts faster. But if anything, it sounds like the slam is a pace breaker. It seems like it actually is kind of useful because it seems like the quantity of ghosts has increased. Like the the amount of ghosts they throw all at once has increased. And I think the the combat kind of helps to like whittle them down if you can't get them all on one thing. And you don't really have to do it. Uh there's there's a mechanic that I wasn't quite sure about where like when you're sucking things up, Hoochie Pup will appear sometimes. It kept telling me to like press ZL and A, but every time I did that, it just stopped the suck. And I did, didn't do anything, and I don't know what it was supposed to do. I don't know if anybody knows at all what it does, but I wasn't able to do that during my demo because I just didn't get it. Yeah. But, it, like, it seems... It's, for me, as someone who doesn't remember Dark Moon very well, it seems like standard Luigi's Mansion fare. And I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the boss, the boss that I fought was like, this is a good opportunity to talk about the plunger. The plunger, you can shoot on things and then suck the plunger and then throw things with the plunger. So that's another thing that you can do to like destroy, um, wall, hidden walls and stuff. Well, they're, they're not really that hidden, but, um, so you use it on this boss who has a shield. So the boss design I actually really like, where it, it was kind of hard for me to figure out at first what to do, but then I realized that when he charges, his head pokes out, and then the strobal can stun him, and then you throw the plunger, and then you throw the like his armor. You basically you fight the boss like he, when you get him to charge at you, and then you strobal him, and you throw the plunger, and then you just start fucking beating him like you just slam him into the ground with, like three times. And his armor goes down. And then eventually, once his armor goes down all the way, he's done. And there are like arrows flying at you during the thing, and it ramps up as you go. It seems like... Here's the thing. From what I got to play of it, it seems fun. 
But I think the problem with that game in particular is that it's really hard for me to know for sure whether I'd like it unless I know right. how the overall level structure works. Because, like, I don't know how I'd feel about going through several of those all at once. That's... I'm, I'm still, like, I'm still not exactly sure how the level structure even works, because I read interviews where they say that, like, there's an outside area, or, like, a, some kind of a hub, but it's, it's, like, it seems more akin to two. What I do know for sure is that I don't think you revisit the same floor ever. Huh. I think you just do them, and then you go to the next one. And that, the, like, there were, like... The medieval one, there were like four or five rooms. So there were like four of them were like puzzle based. You had to find a key and then like, there was a little bit of like, you had to find a key and then figure out where it goes. But it's not really, cause there's not very many rooms. So there's not really like, it's kind of like you just do puzzle solving in the rooms and then you fight the boss. I'm not sure if that's cause it's early and it's simple or if that's just how the entire game's gonna that, be. That sounds, uh... I don't know. That sounds a little concerning for me who really likes the original a lot. I really thought uh, 3 was going to be a lot like the original. Um, I also noticed too that the aesthetic is a lot brighter than I anticipated. Like, um, did you notice that? Because, uh... Well, I mean, it's definitely, if, like... It's definitely not... How do I say this? It's not really trying to be Was scary it ever really anymore. trying to be, though? Like... There were a couple moments in the first game eh, that really. were kind of creepy. I mean, what I mean basically <laughs> is that the atmosphere is definitely, like... They don't really try to go for it anymore. The first game didn't really like, scare me, but it was kind of unsettling in a few places, but I you can kind of tell that they've moved away from that. But now they kind of they kind of just want to make like cuz apparently there's one there's, there's like a movie set. I was in a medieval themed one. So it's like I think they're valuing what they're doing is basically valuing like level theming. Yeah. It's kind of like in 2, I had a bunch it's of different just that, um, the I think the original was trying to be scary, honestly. Because, like, they they had moments where you'd cut to Luigi um, trying to open the door. Like, it awkwardly cut to his hand shaking the knob, which sort of made uh, the exploration a bit more tense and deliberate, I, f I thought. Yeah. I mean, I certainly and was I remember as a kid, kid, I used to hide that. behind the couch and pay my babysitter to play it for me. So, <laughs> I don't know. I I still am <laughs> am excited to play it and see how it is, because, you know, I, I invested in Dark Moon 100% of that game. I 100%ed the first one. <laughs> Jesus, what was that? And I'll probably okay? do three. Yeah, I just choked on my mucus. It's okay. Um, to move on from this, if we can, Ryan, someone who is not very interested in Luigi's Mansion, I want to ask you a question. Sure. What was something at, 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 at E3 that interested you? Uh, well, you know something, King K, there was something I wanted to ask you. Was Link's Awakening playable at E3? 
Did you get a chance to play it? Yes. Ooh. God damn. Yeah, it took me two hours. Like I so said, like, the Disneyland yeah. metaphor. That was well. Because like to yeah. be fair, that was the longest one there. The thing that like the rest were like the thing that like hour, always kind of like put me off of Link's Awakening is that like you look at the two side by side and the remake looks like as if it's a lot <laughs> slower. Is this true? Like, how does it, how does the game feel to play? Okay, here's weird. I have to like separate the parts of myself. There's one part of myself where I'm like, I waited in line for two hours to play 15 minutes of Link's Awakening, a game I've already played and I don't care about the remake for. And then there's the other side of me where I'm like, okay, well, what did I actually feel about it? So distancing that first side from this discussion, um, <laughs> we'll just talk about the game itself is like, it's pretty faithful. Mm. Like it's kind of obvious that it's faithful, but that probably the biggest change is that you don't have to map your sword and shield. Well, I don't think you, you ever yeah. had to map your shields. Did you have to map your? I can't remember if you had to map your shield. Right. You don't right. have to map those anymore because you have a shield button to raise your Automatic shields. Automatic replace. And then you have your sword, <laughs> and so the X and Y buttons. Is you this... still only have two buttons for items, but you don't have to use. You don't like. You don't switch them as often because you don't. Ha you right. don't have to put your sword in there or your shield. Is this like um, uh, a link between worlds kind of deal? Yes, okay. it's actually exactly like that game. Um, <laughs> okay. So, they've kind of... It's not slower, really. I mean, I guess if you went frame by frame, you're like... It takes one more second to clear a room, okay. but it's not like... It's not noticeable. Mm. When I play it, it's, it's like... It, it's a little weird control-wise at first, because he seemingly... He seemingly has eight directional movement. Oh, like, like Pac-Man world. It's analog hard control. to explain, but like, uh, yes, which is that's very weird strange. though, because Link Between Worlds had full but analog control. And that was fully 3D. Yeah, I don't know. Um. It, it doesn't... What's weird about it to me is that Link's Awakening had full, like... I don't know, it was weird to get used to, but like... I, it, it's hard to tell if he's on a grid? It's kinda, it's like... I'm trying to remember, it's, it's, I just remember I went like... I tried to move freely and it didn't seem like it was working. I don't know if there was a setting turned on that just made him do that, or if that's just how it is. But... I don't know. I got over it pretty quickly, though. It's it's not that noticeable. It's just at first I was kind of like, oh, this is different, but it's not really like... Like, when you hold your sword out, you still move freely. So maybe it was just my, like, maybe I was getting something confused. Maybe I was just holding, so like, my shield button or something. I don't know. No, th but, this game runs at 60 frames per second, right? Okay, that, I don't know, because it was very hard to, like... It didn't seem like anything was happening with the frame rate, but it was hard for me to focus on that. Okay. The TV screen they were using was not the best uh. for that kind of thing. Um, but um, it seemed like it was running fine. Like I think it was sixty. Okay. Um, 
Is this game called Link's Awakening, or is there like, is it HD? There's no remake, it's just Link's Awakening. I don't mm. know why, but... That's yeah. a bit confusing. Um, I can say, though, if you walk into a rock, it does not immediately pop up a text box. Oh, that's good. You have to press the A button first. That's good. Oh, I love the that. The text box is still there, but you have to press the A button before it'll show up. Um, there's actually... <laughs> They've added new... I say new. It kind of is a new combat mechanic. It's not as exciting as it sounds, but it's more like... They use the shield. Like, there are enemies that you can't hit unless you stagger them. So, like, the moblins that have shields... You hold up your shield, they'll hit you, and then it'll stagger them. Okay. And then you can hit them. And it, it really, th I actually died in the demo because it really threw me off. Because <laughs> I was like, how the fuck do you hit a sword moblin? Yeah, that sounds a lot. That sounds a lot like those melee counters from Samus Returns. It's not really Samus Returns. Like that, though, because it's not timing based. Like, you just, like, hold your shield up. Oh, no, what I mean is, is that's like another thing where, like, a, ga a game series there where historically you could just keep shooting people and then suddenly they expect you to counter enemies yeah. all the time and well, I never yeah, got used to, to it fair, in Samus like Returns shield moblin. there were like eight other moblins that just threw spears like usual how is the weird. how is the music okay uh, that one's hard yeah because it was very loud I had headphones but they were I don't know. I can't really recall, and I don't think I it's noticed, publicly um, available, so I can't even refresh. But it, I like if I if I think like if if it would have sounded bad, I probably would have remembered. Okay. I think it was good, but I, I, if it like it probably wasn't amazing <laughs> if it didn't stick with me. I know one also, thing that I didn't like about it, and just, just from what we heard from the trailers, that it sounds like it sounds like Yoshi's music, but like. With Zelda music, you know what I mean? No, it's not that bad. Mm. It's definitely not, not that bad. Not like the fucking Yo Yoshi 3DS kazoo thing, but it's just like that kind of cutesy child book kind of style. I mean, they were playing music. There was they're playing a song over and over while waiting in line, and that did kind of sound like that. But that's that's just in line with how the original sounded. To be a fair, like the. The way they remixed it doesn't really change how the original sounds. Ah. Because the originals always sounded kind of like that. Not, I well, don't know, not to me, but... Do you just mean like in terms of like the yeah. tone of the pieces? Because obviously we're well, going from... Obviously we're going from 8-bit chiptunes to... <laughs> That's not what I mean, I mean yeah. like... Well, not even instrument quality, just like... You know, the sound <laughs> of a chiptune is obviously a little bit more... Well, the two, like, the music... I, I don't know how to put it, but, in like... Link's Awakening, in my opinion, has always felt pretty, like, upbeat. Yeah, it's... Until you, like, start reading Windfish tablets, and then, like... But, you know... Yeah, the music has um, always been, like, upbeat, but it, it... I don't know, like, it just sounds like... I listen to this music, and I don't think Link's Awakening, I think Yoshi. I, like, I honestly hear no difference. Well, that's, uh, just your opinion, man. To quote the Big Lebowski, right? <laughs> That's a movie, huh? Okay, I don't know, anyways, this ain't Michael, it, Chief. we've gone around the table. Do you have any concerns <laughs> of uh, 
video games that you'd like to ask our resident E3 expert? First of all, do you have anything to say on Link's Awakening? Because you seem to be bouncing very quickly, Haydox. Me? Yeah. Do I have anything to say? I don't think Michael said anything about Link's Awakening. I can't focus that well. I'm very sick. I mean, I'm... Sorry. <laughs> uh... I mean, really, it sounds like you. My questions have already well, been answered. Go, hey, really, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. I'm sorry. Hey, this Ducks. is, if you haven't noticed, folks, <laughs> uh, this is this is the tired and sick cast. I'm just. I'll just say, Link's Awakening was fun. I mean, it looks yeah. good. I'm gonna it, get like, it. it. It's faithful. I still don't think they should. I, I still don't think it's necessary. But I, whatever. Whatever. It's coming out. It'll be fun. Miguel. I like Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening is one of my favorites. So that's Link's awesome. Awakening, so, good. Should we talk about? Should we talk about the big reveal well, at Angels. the end well, of the draft? Before we talk now? about that, I actually am also a little bit curious. Uh, what are some of the games that you played that weren't uh, that weren't Nintendo? Um, Doom Eternal is one of the less big ones. That was not Nintendo. How'd you like it? Um, it was fun. I don't know, man. I never, I never finished Doom <laughs> because it just kind of felt repetitive after a while. It, like, you know what? That's it's strange because I really actually, liked the game, it. but I didn't finish it either. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's like, and Doom Eternal is like, yeah, the same. Like, I don't know, it, like, obviously there are differences, like, you can... It is kind of cool that you can, instead of just chainsawing for ammo and then using takedowns for health, you can now press the R button and spray fire, and if enemies are on fire and you shoot them, they'll drop armor. So you have, so you have that decision to make oh. in combat as well, and that was nice. And they have a bunch of new, like, alternate fires, like, you have a shotgun, where if you right click, you grapple hook and then pull yourself toward the enemy and then shotgun them in the oh. face. And that was probably that was probably the most like the best thing they've added. I had the most fun with that. Um Yeah. It sounds like they're going the Bayonetta 2 route and having angels and demons to fight. I only fought demons in the demo. But maybe that's a late game thing. Okay. It was fun. You can like you can it, jump on a pole and he'll swing into the air. There are extra lives, so like if you die, you'll get revived if you have an extra life. But you have to collect them. Um, oh, they're like okay, but there are still checkpoints. So it's more like a uh, one free respawn before you go back like to the checkpoint. Die, essentially, you'll revive on the spot if you have an extra life. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, Doom 1, like I said, I didn't finish it either, strangely, but I think what it was, was I was playing it on PS4 Pro, and then, um, I built my gaming PC, and then I didn't want to play it on PS4 right, Pro yeah. after that, because it, I'd have to buy it on Steam again, and then play through the whole game, and that's what happened. It wasn't because I didn't like the yeah, game or I liked anything. It too. I too. Um, I, I don't know. I think my reason was just that other things were coming out, and I played like a few levels of Doom, and as weird as it is to say, a few levels of Doom was like 
It was all I really needed. Like, I had my fun with it. But then, like, I went to the next level and I was just like, okay, I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's only so much of, like, step into a level, heavy metal plays, and then demons. Like, there's only so much of that I can take before I'm like, I, I'm just going to move on. I'm the exact opposite. I'm a, I always get into that shit. I'm, we, uh... I, I think as, like, I'm finding that as a person, <laughs> if games... I'm finding the games that are just aimless to be kind of, like, eh, you know? Like, and Doom is pretty, like, unapologetically, well, like, what do you aimless mean by in the aimless? sense that, like, I, I don't feel like any, like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Like, in Doom, it's like you're ferried from level to level, and then you do, like, if you, like, if you analyze the minute differences, you're like, okay, so there's level design differences, there's enemy differences, you get, like, you know. But it's the same thing with, like, Super Mario 3D World, or, like, it just doesn't feel like... I just get so bored of it so easily. It's hard to pinpoint exactly why, but I think it just feels kind of like... There's nothing else here except the game. And unless your game is incredibly strong, it's not going to hold me that long. I feel like you could say that about any game, though. Well, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, do you know I, I what mean, I'm talking about? Like, games yeah. like Doom? I'm not I'm not sure I do, but it sounds like... There's, like, a core gameplay and you go from level to level doing that core gameplay yeah, and you don't I like that. I think that's just what it is. I think level-based games are just not my thing. I don't know. It depends. There are level-based games that I like. Right. But if there's not anything more than the level-based game, it kind of just loses me. Well, like, what would they have to add on for to make know. it like, more interesting? I just don't think it's a kind of thing, like... Like, if it was, like, open world, maybe? I don't think it And you have, like, had a facility to explore, would that be better? Actually, yes. Not open world. If it was Metroidvania-style, yes. I, um... To move I, on... I, I, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant so by open world, Was but, there, yeah. uh... This is... Can we move on from Doomfellers? Don't move on that quickly. No. I'm sorry. I'm putting my foot down. Okay. I just have another important thing that I want to talk about before I forget. Okay, well, write it down. Okay. Put it in the chat. Write it down. <laughs> and... I'll just not say anything. I'll sit here. Basically, and... like, if, if... I don't want to... Like, I have a hard time explaining. Because I don't want to be that guy who's like, everything needs to be this way. But it's just kind of like... Well, I mean, you, you're entitled like, to your preferences. It's like how the, the level-based yeah, Mario's have never been my thing, because I like the ones where you get to run around in the toy boxes, you know? Like, I just like exploring things. <sighs> so, like, if if Doom was a yeah. Metroidvania, I'm not saying it has to be, but, like, if, like... Well, that's why, like, my equivalent to that will always be, like, the Prime games. Like, even three, level design-wise, is, like, each planet you go on is its own little hub area. And it just kind of feels like, like, Doom, yeah. even if Doom was still level-based, I think if there was more going on in the levels besides you shooting things, I think <laughs> maybe it would be, like, I would be okay with it. 
There, there was like exploration to find like yeah, upgrades for that, your suit. That stuff felt so secondary kind of. You got to find like the hidden Doom levels, like the old Doom. Well, it's just like have you have you played like the original no. Doom, King K? Because that that literally is just going from room to room, <laughs> killing demons. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you you find you find some power-ups and stuff like you'll find armor like doom 2016 is basically like if you took that old-school id fps formula and Gave it kind of like a modern mm -hmm. facelift Because like the way that doom 2016 did it was instead of enemies being sprinkled throughout the level You'd like find combat sections essentially every once in a while You'd beat all the enemies and then you could move on that was the structure there So that's different like if you play doom or quake it like you'll find enemies throughout the entire level And it won't stop for you to fight them or anything. Yeah, um yeah, but it's like Doom 2016 did add like a lot of Metroid Prime elements to it, and that's why I well, thought it was so refreshing as an FPS. Design. Because it it does work for what it is, but there's always a part of me that I just feel so confined, it's like a... and like that's where the boredom sets in. Because it just feels like it really does feel like I'm just being ferried places, like. And I know that's the that's the I, point I do want to say though, Dan. I don't know, like, I don't know if that's a thing for me. I do want to say that um, I do actually can relate. Where when I was playing Doom 2016, as much as I was enjoying it, like I'd finish a level and just feel wiped and want to take mm -hmm. a break. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I actually I've I play a little bit of Quake like a week ago and I felt kind of the same way playing that where it's just like I, pl I, I played like halfway through an episode and then I'm just like uh, another level of this I need to take a break so I do kind of understand like it, like it's fun and I enjoy playing it but it's just like after a while I want to stop yeah I don't know it's like I, it's not Doom's fault is what I'm trying to say I think I'm just not into it and Doom Eternal if you like Doom, then there you go. It looks like it's new and improved. It has an interesting mechanic going on. Even I can recognize that, like, the ammo mechanic thing is nice, because that's another thing to decide, like, do you want to spray this on fire first and then kill it, or do you want health, or do you want ammo? I think that's cool. And it's a hard game. It's difficult. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like how much movement there is. It just it gets boring. Like, I played a 15-minute... Actually, no, it was a 30-minute demo. Um, and when I was done, I was like, yeah, I don't really care anymore. But it's not like I wasn't having fun. It's just like that 30 minutes was enough for me to get out of that experience, if you know what I mean. Like, that was enough for me. So yeah. I think also uh, okay. another big thing. Uh, did you get a chance to play Final Fantasy VII? Wait. Hold on, I want to go to Haydox. Oh, he's been waiting patiently. Oh shit, sorry. I've been waiting. Um, did, <laughs> was there an Ori booth? Uh, I did not go to it. If it was there, oh, I yeah. don't think it was there. Oh, uh, that game uh, comes out the day before my birthday. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You know why it's not there is because Microsoft was not e like Microsoft had their own thing there, but it wasn't in E3. Oh, I see. I I kind of like moved to a different building. 
Right, right, right. Um, I don't know. Um, I was watching. Was I think it was Vinny's commentary because I didn't want to be alone watching E3. <laughs> um, but he was like, "Oh, it looks like Hollow Knight," Sorry. and I was like, "No." It's not. It's my favorite game, and that's what it is. And I wanted to express that, calling out every streamer who's ever compared to give video games. <laughs> um, I really the original was one of my. F- you know what? Hollow Knight looks like Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. Looks like Crash so Bandicoot. <laughs> the original Ori in the Blind Forest was one of my favorite <laughs> games. Um, I love the music a lot. I love the aesthetics. It was like the perfect cue. And platforming and um I don't know it was just I really love that game a lot there was something about it and uh this will of the wisps the more I see the more I'm very happy the music seems really great and I like the new aesthetics and bosses and design it's also spearheaded by uh the guy who did am2r really uh, the valid, superior Metroid 2 remake. Um, so I would, if you, if anybody's listening and they they really want a solid platformer, go pick up the original. But uh, yeah, I've heard rumors it <laughs> really? might be coming I've been to Switch. That too, yeah, yeah, <sighs> That'd be the dope. original Ori. I would really like that. Like it was leaked. Uh, but we don't have official cut. But you know, yeah, Cuphead lucky came, to came to Switch, and so did yeah. Minecraft. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it, 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 I, and it, like I said this on Twitter though. But yeah, kudos to you, Microsoft Corporation for now give us you know, Halo. For, <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. I like it, if this no. Nintendo would never do that. So I just want to give Microsoft credit where it's due, where they're being, you know, pro-consumer yeah, I, in this I instant. Think, I also I think like, that's all. Um, I was going to say, on that note, we should probably just talk about Banjo. Yeah. Okay. That, that's all I want to say. Go buy Ori. Because it's relevant. You know, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> give two shits about Banjo-Kazooie. I've never <laughs> played the games before, but even I was just like, just... just you did it! Bravo! I mean, I, I'm kind of in the same place, but I'm also like, when I when I watch people react to it, it just puts a smile to my face, you mm-hmm. know? Because it's like I know how long people have wanted that, probably since they were kids. And even even you know? even then, it was like for a good while, it was impossible. You know, Ooh. you couldn't get banjo in in like melee or in brawl or in Smash Four. Well, if you travel back in time and told someone, they'd think you were lying. Yeah, It's just, it's still... It's the same thing with Cloud. It's cool to see Banjo back with Nintendo. Like, even though it's, like, not a new game, it's still cool to see Banjo back with, like, Donkey Kong and Mario, like, the the N64 crew and shit. He's back where he belongs, and I think that's really good. Why don't they just put the Rare Replay on the Switch? That'd be cool. I, I feel like there would be issues. I feel like I heard There's rumors, rumors about, about like too. every Xbox One game coming to Switch. I don't know. <laughs> that that would be nice and all, but I uh, yeah, it's 
It's interesting that they chose his original design rather than the nuts and bolts design they've been using for like the past 10 years. I'm glad they used the original design. Well, yeah, me too. Yeah, that was probably a Sakurai decision, to be honest. Well, it's like... Or at least their art team of Smash. I don't know who makes those decisions, but... But yeah, it's, it's good that it's there. Um, part of me feels like this whole thing is kind of overshadowing ukulele in the impossible layer, which I'm kind of interested in myself. It's not technically an E3 game. It was unveiled like right before E3. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's looking like I've, I've been playing ukulele again recently after playing Banjo 1 and 2E again. And I'm now convinced that Ukulele is the best Banjo-Kazooie wow. game. Even if it's not called Banjo-Kazooie. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what the next game will be like. It looks like it's gonna be like Hop and Bop DKC kind of platformer with like a Grunty's Revenge style hub world where you solve puzzles. Um, it'll be interesting to see Trouser again and Capital B's back. There's some new. There are actually quite a few new assets for it too. Because like at first, I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, that's looks like the same uh, Yukon Lele character models from the first game. But then looking at some of the level design, I can see, oh, they did model quite a few new things for this. Uh, so yeah, um, I have heard that there was supposed to be DLC for the first game that never came out. And so some people are annoyed that they're already making a new game. But, you know, it's just... I don't know, I don't really care. <laughs> but, you know, Exo, I got a question for you. Like, wh what what do you make of Banjo being in Smash, though? Like, was he a character it, that you ever wanted, or what? Well, I mean, it's just like, I don't really care much either way, because I'm never... I still don't own Smash, and I don't plan to. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I... It's, that's pretty much what it is. It's like, I'm glad that, you know, like the, the geek critique was like writing on cloud nine after that announcement, because this is something he has wanted for a very long time. And, you know, Banjo was something that was very precious to him. Um, and it's like, it's not like I don't like Banjo-Kazooie and even Tui to an extent. It, it's just like I, I've... <laughs> He's a playable character in a fighting game I don't care about. You know mm. what I mean? I don't care. <laughs> but you know... I, I would be far more interested to see a Banjo 3 announced than this. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. And maybe this will be a stepping stone towards that. Who knows? But it's just like, if a Banjo 3 does get made, it, it would be like ukulele, and people didn't like ukulele, so... I, I don't know what people expect or want from this whole situation. But you know, having Banjo and Smash is cool and all. Like, don't get me wrong. But the Dragon Quest character? That that got me pretty fucking stoked. Because like there there was like leaks and all that kind of shit about Erdrick from Dragon Quest 3 and Banjo being playable. Like those were like all but confirmed leading up to E3. Like all the evidence was like pointing to them. And I always thought, like, Erdrick was a weird pick because Dragon Quest III wasn't really popular here in America when it came out for, like, the... Well, it came out, like, the Famicom uh, back in Japan, and then it got, like, remade for, like, the DS, I think? I don't even think it got localized here, like, at all. Uh, but it's a big deal in Japan. But I was thinking, like, if they're going to have a Dragon Quest character, it makes sense to have either the new guy from Eleven, which I don't really like it when they have... 
like super relevant characters like that it just kind of feels like a little scummy. Or they could have like the character from Dragon Quest VIII, which is like the one that everyone knows about. You know, like that's the one that like, that's like the Final Fantasy VII of Dragon Quest. Like the one was just like, this is the one that people know. Um, and right. when the trailer starts, lo and behold, it's the protagonist from the new game. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool and all, but it's it's fine, whatever. The one the one that looks like Android 17. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and then the trailer, you know, he gets his ass kicked at one point, and then he gets back up, and then you see, like, the the evil versions of the characters, like, walking towards him. You see the light shine, and then you see the protagonist from Dragon Quest VIII come out of nowhere. Like, that, dude, I, I was screaming out of my freaking brains. Like, it, it's not Isaac, but damn, that's, like, the next best thing for me. I love Dragon I Quest VIII. So whatever you think, like, whatever you think of a specific uh -huh. Smash reveal, you can't deny that they oh, put yeah. work into this shit, you know? The fact they they got four different things for the same character, that's then, some fucking dedication. And then the final I smash is, like, that. the rest of the Dragon Quest characters ganging up and then, like, putting all their power for, like, you know, the final smash. You see the guy from Dragon Quest Nine. he's just tucked away in there. I'm like, oh, I see you! I see you, little guy! Like, I just, I loved it. What's well, funny, like, you, you probably imagine they're like, so which one do we want to add? And all Sakura's like, just do them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like okay. Ike used to be my main, and then when I found out that there was an Isaac Mii costume for the Mii Sword Fighter, that was my main. And now it might actually be the, the protagonist from Dragon Quest VIII. Like, that made me Can really take a fucking moment? happy. To acknowledge the fact that Nintendo put in Dragon Quest before Golden Sun. Well, Dragon Quest is way bigger than Golden Sun. I know, but they own the rights like to Golden, Golden Sun. Sun. Like, yeah. How hard is it? I do like Golden Sun. It's not my favorite thing, but I find it really irritating that everything in the universe got into Smash before Golden Sun. I mean, look, even look, I'm, IPs I'm, Nintendo doesn't own. I'm the biggest Golden Sun fan you'll find on this podcast ever. Okay, like I, I can accept that. I like the game more than most people should, but I can be like, no, like if I had like if we had a pick between Isaac versus like someone like Cloud or Chrono or, you know, a Dragon Quest character. No, it would probably go to one of those because they have a lot more historical significance. I could put my bias aside for that. You know? Would I like to have Isaac in with those characters? Absolutely. But, you know, it's... I get I, it. I just don't understand what's so hard about making Isaac playable. Why not? I don't I don't get <laughs> they that They put either, everything but, else in, I mean, Lord knows. Like, is Chibi Robo playable? I feel like he is. He, he has well, a knee costume. There, there are a lot of options, you know? <laughs> There are a lot of There's options. There's like over a hundred characters now, like... and it's just whatever. I we're I'm I I'm personally done talking about Smash. I don't know about you guys. I'm just really glad to have. I mean, because like even at the end of the day, it's like I still got representation from like all of my favorite RPGs, like Fire Emblem Awakening. I got you know Golden Sun shit in there. Now I got Dragon Quest Eight shit in there. Persona Five. It's only a matter of time before we get like Kingdom Hearts shit, like a Sora Me costume. <laughs> That's the day I die. Well, you know, no, you want the last time I like got I like okay. I'll be real. When Joker was announced, I think I felt what the banjo mm -hmm. fans felt in that moment. I think I understood. I think I understand now. Like when when that jiggy goes across the screen and they scream yeah. in those videos. When Joker was announced. I flipped the letter and it was smashed. I was like, I, I actually was like, I have physically reacted to it. 
when I saw Isaac was his assist trophy in that reveal, my heart shattered. I was like, mm. I think it's more <laughs> down to like, I don't ultimately care that much because I don't play Smash that much, but it's kind of just a fun mm -hmm. thing to watch. Like, it's just surprising sometimes. It's an event. Like, it's just fun to observe. I don't know, but I don't have any more to say about it because I don't really care that much about Smash to be honest. I'll I, I like the characters we have funny. so far. I think they're really good picks, so there's that. So what else right. what else you guys want to talk about? <laughs> There's kind of a lot. I think we need to talk about the reveal at the end of the direct. Do you want to save that for later? Because there's still a lot of other Nintendo stuff that was announced too. Okay, well, Panzer Dragoon. Panzer Dragoon. Oh, wait, Dragoon. Before we do, before, Dragoon. 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 TGX got on my butt about that. I'm like, oh, he kind of whipped me into it. <laughs> All I know is that in the DS version of Final Fantasy IV, Kane pronounces it Dragoon, so that's how I've always pronounced it. Anyways. I forgot that version um, of voice acting. Uh... Panzer Dragoon, the original, is being remade, and it's going to be on Switch. I'm guessing it's probably going to be on a couple other things as well, at least I hope. You know, uh, like, Sega doesn't seem to be involved in this. Weird. Because, like, like they, st I'm pretty sure they still own the rights, but you look at, at who was credited in that trailer, you don't see Sega. Well, so in case people at home don't know, Panzer Dragoon was a classic title for the Sega Saturn that was sort of like Sega's answer to Star Fox, yeah. but the different... I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck it is. All I know is that it's a long, it's like a long dead yeah. thing, um, right? That people essentially, are it, it's, it was essentially Sega's answer to Star Fox. I can't remember if it came out before or after Star Fox 64, though. Definitely after the first one. Uh, but it's like a rail shooter where you fly around in a dragon, and what's if you've played Sky Chase from Sonic Adventure One, that's Panzer Dragoon gameplay essentially. Yeah. Um, and I don't. One I, of the differences. I probably wouldn't like. One it, of the differences between um, Panzer Dragoon Star Fox is that you you play as a dragoon riding a dragon and the dragon does the flying and meanwhile you as the pilot can like turn your field of view to shoot enemies on your side and behind you um so it's a little bit more hectic there are more weapons you can switch between uh the dragon actually has quite a few advanced maneuvers i most of what i'm talking about comes from playing like 10 minutes of panzer dragoon orta so maybe that one that one was for the xbox it was the last original panzer dragoon game to come out as far as i know uh so this remake is the first thing we've had since like the mid 2000s yeah and yeah that's great um, it's, eh, I, I feel like I, I need to know whether it's Switch exclusive or not. I need to look that up. I haven't heard any information about it coming anywhere else, so I'm going to assume it is Switch exclusive. I, I hope not. It was definitely a highlight in the direct though, so. Yeah. See, what All I'm seeing is colors. Switch. One of the biggest highlights um, for this uh, for this direct for me 
was that we're actually getting No More Heroes 3. And that has me fucking off the wall. Because okay, so I've I've never played No More Heroes 1 or 2, so could you like maybe tell us more about the history of that? So, No More Heroes was a game on the Wii. I believe it came out in 2007? It was one of the earlier Wii games. Uh, and it was a very, like, Suda51 games, they're very flawed, but you mostly play them for the kind of ideas that he presents, right? Like, they have very interesting right. ideas, very interesting concepts, uh, themes, and all that kind of stuff, visual styles and all that, uh, and, you know, that's just kind of the appeal for some, for, uh, most of his <coughs> games. With No More Heroes, you know, you play as, like, some, like, lowly weeaboo <coughs> guy, and, you know, he wants to be, like, the greatest assassin in the whole wide world, so you go about, you go around, like, you, you kill all, it's like Scott Pilgrim, like, where you have to, like, kill, like, ten assassins, but it's way more vulgar, way more self-aware, way more raunchy, way more dirty, you know, it, it's, it's gritty, it's kind of gross, but it has its own charm to it. Uh, but it, it was- It seemed, it reminded, the trailer reminded me a lot of Devil May- Like, I guess Travis kind of reminds me of Dante. He kind of is, but Travis is kind of more- Like, Dante's like cool and confident, but Travis is kind of just- I don't want to say pathetic, but he's- he lives- He lives alone in an apartment with a bunch of like, anime girl figures and body pillows and shit like that. He's that kind of guy. Um, oh. You know, he just wants to get laid. That's pretty much it. Like, the reason why he's doing what he's doing is okay, just to get here, laid. here's an example. Here's the example. Dante is the guy who is who is immature, yes. But he also is, like, at the end of the day, he's pretty cool. Travis is, like... I guess he is kinda cool, but, like, he's the guy yeah. who thinks he's cool. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> he really buys his own hype. That's exactly it. And then No More okay. Heroes 2 came out in the Wii. That one came out about, like, 2010, if I remember correctly. Uh, but these games never really sold super well, if I remember right. And ever since, like, 2010, the series was, like, really quiet. Like, no one was ever talking about it. And then when the Switch reveal happened, they showed off, Oh, hey, yeah, we're making a new No More Heroes game! It's not No More Heroes 3, but it's a new No More Heroes game. And it turned out to be a weird, like game collection kind of game like it was a weird like game within a game kind of game i didn't really care for it and then suda 51 was like oh well you know depending on the success of this game it, it, it'll determine whether or not we make no more heroes 3 the game oh, didn't oh i haven't heard that one before yeah they fucking, Robo they fucking zip lashed it <laughs> but you know lo and behold what is with what is with studios and doing that i don't get it i don't know if you know what people want why not just make that game I mean, like, I guess they didn't have money to make No More Heroes 3, so they made the smaller game. But I think also with no with this uh, smaller game, it was more of like an engine test, like an engine test for uh, the Unreal Engine, because that's pretty much what both of these games are using right now. Right. Like, you know, people assume that that was just the gauge interest, but this is like yeah, no, because No More Heroes Travis Strikes Against came out so this I, year. I don't think that's the case. Like I don't I don't know if it's so far fetched to believe that he just wanted to make the game and it was smaller That's possible. scale. You know? Like maybe he was just like, I don't wanna make the sequel immediately. I just wanna cause that seemed like a very experimental kinda like he wants to try all these different things and mm. see how it works. 
Like, I really don't think it was like, oh, we need to see if it's profitable because clearly people want it. Well, people but wanted like, Isaac too. I think it was more so he was. He, people like. You got a me costume. Well, there's no more heroes sold. But no, no more heroes three makes Fellers. me really fucking happy. And it, it looks Fellers. it looks so fucking good. Um, I hate to do this to you, but I think I might have to head out because oh, no. I feel very sick. And I've been sniffling and snorting, and I gotta take a hot shower and then probably pass out on the floor. <laughs> but okay. All right. Um. Well, but before you go, is there like any no, other game you wanted games. to talk about? So, so that's what I'll <laughs> that's leave. That's fair. This. Um. All also, right. to the. All right. Yes, um, Dad. Make sure to save anyway, your project. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say <laughs> is that some people in in the comments are like, "Oh, where's Haydox? Is he okay?" Um, other than my crippling addiction to protein bars and the fact that I'm sick right now, um, I'm fine. I'm chilling. Uh, so yeah, that's where I am. I feel like I should tweet out that I'm okay, but you know, I'll let it chill. I'll let it simmer. Anyways, <laughs> all right. Bye. Sorry, I Bye. feel just very Bye. sick. Bye, Hidax. Uh, King. <laughs> are, we okay. gonna, are we gonna keep going? Uh, yeah, we're well. Let's keep going because there are more games to talk about. Yeah. Um, so that, that's King that's K didn't. That's kind of my thing about No More Heroes Three. I didn't think it was going to happen, and I'm really glad it's happening. And it looks great, and I want to know more about it. Is it like a hack and slash game? Ah, I guess you could call it that. It's not like Bayonetta. Because I, I remember there being a lightsaber. Yeah. And then the way you charge your lightsabers, I get to shake the Wii remote like as if you're jerking off. Okay. That's the kind of uh, game it is. <laughs> yeah, that this it sounds like a devil may cry with like without any self-restraint. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean... I'd say it's worth looking into. I haven't even really played them, but I've watched a lot of it, and yeah. These, they're they're very, very rough around the edges. Like, there are people who don't like the first No More Heroes game, and I can't exactly defend some of the uh, choices that Suda51 decided to make with in terms of how you have to uh, progress through the game, but the core gameplay is still so much fucking fun. The universe is really interesting. The characters are fascinating and hilarious. It's 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 a net positive. I like it. Okay. What else was there at Nintendo's uh, Direct? I feel like as if there was something else that made me like scream. There was that Contra game that, that looked like ass. That looked like Fortnite. <laughs> oh my god, that game looked so bad. <laughs> well, it was funny. I was looking at that game. And I was like, oh, this looks like a neat indie title. <laughs> that was legit my reaction, and then it said Contra, and I was like, what? <laughs> well, I, I think it's supposed to be, because it's called, like, Contra Rogue Core or something like that, right? The new con Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. But there was a game for the Genesis called Contra Hardcore, and then there was a, a sequel to that for the Xbox Live Arcade. And uh, this game looks like... It's a sequel to the hardcore lineup because it's called Rogue Core, so I was right. And in the first, um, 
uh, hardcore. I believe you could play as a wolf man and a ro tiny robot, as well as a woman and a man. Uh, so Contra Hard, the hardcore lineup is famous for having weird player characters like that panda thing. But the way that they were marketing it in this trailer, because it's just like every year now at E3, we get some startup trying to make the next Fortnite or Overwatch. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. I remember there was a trailer like that in the Microsoft <clears throat> conference. Bleeding Edge. Uh, what? Bleeding Edge. Oh, was that what it was called? I don't. I do, I legitimately don't remember. Yeah. Because all I thought was that looks like Fortnite. I don't care about <laughs> Fortnite. Moving on. Um. And yeah, so I legitimately thought from the way that they they made this trailer look that it was a a Fortnite knockoff. And then when I found out it was Contra, I was just like. Oh, so it's like the idea of having like a pan being able to play as a panda or something or, you know, the other weird characters in that game is not out of place for the hardcore subseries. I don't know. Maybe the trailer just made it look worse than it is. I don't know. But we also got the Contra anniversary collection on Switch the same day. Cool. That it was announced. So neat. Um, I don't think the Contra games have aged very well, personally. Uh, I don't, I'm not really a fan of that. Oh, you got a, you got three game overs? Fuck you, play the entire game again, and you die in one hit kind mm. of design? That pisses me off. Um, I mean, they're, they're fun for what they are, but it's just like, I feel like that kind of game design is just really dated and out of place nowadays. Oh, uh, shit, no, you know what else we got? And I don't know why I just now remembered. Uh, we got the collection of mana. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of a big deal because... Uh, it's the collection of whiff. Oh? Whiff. Oh. Hey, guys, it's me, Jeb. Uh, I'm here to talk about uh, No More Heroes <laughs> 3. I mean, Secret of Mana. Um, Luck is a worthless character. <laughs> And um, he every time you try to attack a boss, it whiffs, whiff, 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 whiff. <laughs> I'm done. But no, it's kind of a big deal because the sequel to a sequel. Oh my god, sequel to Secret of Mana. We never got in the states. Like that was a game that stayed in Japan. Uh, what we know now uh, as uh, Trials of Mana, we never got that game before. So this, this is the first time that we're actually going to be getting this. And on top of that, they're actually fully remaking Trials of Mana that's coming out next year. It's like a 3D remake. And I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> can, can Golden Sun get that fucking treatment? Can we just get like an HD collection like that or a remake like this? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like that was the first thing that, uh. that was the first thing that I thought about. But no, it's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to try it out. Like I, I kind of want to wait for the physical version to release in August, I think, because it's out now. You can buy it now, digitally, mm -hmm. but it's getting a physical port or physical release later this year. So... Uh -huh. Ryan, how do you feel about the lack of Golden Sun? <laughs> well, you know something? I was actually, um, I actually let out a sigh of relief, especially when I found out that 3DS games aren't a thing anymore for Nintendo, like they're not working on it. So that just tells me that if we were to get a Golden Sun game or some sort of Golden Sun thing, it'd be on the Switch. So I'm like, well, at least there's that. I just gotta keep shouting about it. It's gotta keep screaming. Ryan always on the yes. bright side. I have to be. Because no one else will. 
Oh, Ryan. I mean, I, c I commend you. To I've be been honest. waiting 10 years. <laughs> I feel like I don't have the energy. It's to like, do that it's for, like, like the moment Golden Sun 4 gets announced, Ryan, I'm going to Photoshop you a picture of your face onto the, ki the king from Pokemon X and Y. It's been 3,000 years. You know, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, you know, I think you're the reason that, like, if I had never met you and a Golden Sun 4 was announced, I would think nothing of it. <laughs> but, like, if it, if it was announced nowadays, I might actually oh. be excited. <laughs> just because of you. Oh, thanks. I'm glad that I have that kind of impact. Oh, God. So, yeah. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, fuck. I um, had a list. Because, like, there was a number of things that Nintendo did this year that made me go, like, wow. We talked about Animal Crossing, right? Like, uh, we sort of touched yeah. on it. Like, I mean, I have nothing to say about it, but if you want, I mean, talking it's just, about it. I feel like I, I will definitely say this much. To, this year's Direct was better than last year's. Yeah, I, I felt like I, nothing I, substantial was announced. I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but I honestly think that Nintendo kind of won E3 this year. It depends on how you define win. Because personally, I think Microsoft still had the best conference. <sighs> because they, they, that would make three years in a row that they've won for me. But the thing is with Microsoft is that like I've, I've watched those conferences and I'm like, wow, one game after the other, they all look interesting. The production value for the conference itself is like on point. Mm -hmm. Like with all the smoke machines and stuff and all the screens, they always have like they announced a new console, they announced a new cloud service, you know, like they they had all the trademarks. But if you were to ask me like off the top of my head, any of the games that were announced, I could not remember them for the life of me. <laughs> well, you know, I will say this about Microsoft. Like, I think Nintendo won in terms of just like what they showed, but Microsoft conference has my uh as the game that I'm most looking forward to out of any game that they showed off this E3. The game of the show, yeah. if you will. Oh. Yeah, but we'll talk about that. Uh, but I think Animal Crossing looks good. Uh, I, I watched the uh, the Treehouse footage. I kind of like how it's... Michael, what? do you have a game of the show? What? I just want to ask real quick. I think he means Halo Infinite. You no, know? no, I'm not talking about Halo Infinite. No, I mean, I mean, I'm asking Michael if he has a game of the show. I'm not if he has a game that he was so interested. That's in. the thing is, is because if he if he does, then we could just save ours for the last. Um, I guess it it's like thinking back over it and thinking like we got a new Contra, we got the Panzer Dragoon remake, No More Heroes three, Trials of Mana. Like all, there was plenty of stuff that was announced, but it was like nothing I was personally interested in, I guess, is what I'm realizing. Which is why I personally found that direct kind of disappointing. Is some, something in the back of my head was kind of hoping we'd get Paper Mario 6 announced. Mm. I was thinking that too. I don't know. Because like, it's, it's been, because usually it takes about three or four years between games. And I'm playing through Color Splash again, then. It's, it's weird to go back to the initial reveal for that where I was talking about how much I was annoyed that it was gonna be like sticker star uh, And then coming back and realizing it might be my second favorite game in the series <laughs> uh, But 
yeah, I mean, like, a, I, if we get another game, I have a feeling they'll go back to the battle system from the first two games, because that's the only thing, really, about Color Splash that I don't like is the battle system. Would, would, and it's not as substantial as, as, as it sounds, because it's still passable gameplay-wise. I still have fun with it, but it's clearly not as good as the battle system from the first two games. But everything else in the game, I love. Uh, so Paper Mario 6 would be... If they could combine the creativity of Color Splash with the gameplay from the first two games, you might have a contender for my new favorite in the series, but yeah. Um, but that's off topic. You know, because like I was hoping to get some announcements that I could personally get excited for because it's like even Zelda You know knowing that we're getting get other you know We should we talk about this now because I, I feel like so. there's no better time. I think so like I don't uh, really have anything else to talk about with Nintendo Yeah, breath of the wild 2 Tentative title not confirmed. We don't know what's Okay, so I do have to say this I did just replay Breath of the Wild on the Wii U. I didn't want to spend... Because the game's still $60 for some reason, even though it's like two years old. Because Nintendo doesn't understand the concept of price drops. If this were... Like Uncharted, uh, that new Uncharted game that came out last year is already like half price. And Breath of the Wild is still full 60 I don't know what Nintendo's thinking. Uh, so I played my Wii U copy because I already own that and I actually surprisingly My opinion of it is more positive than before There is something to Breath of the Wild That is like the game is strangely addicting even though like when I think about it from a game design perspective I can there's so many things I can pick apart like this whoever decided that Zelda needed a stamina meter what were they thinking like in my opinion breath of the wild is unplayable until you get a second stamina wheel but that's just me like from that moment on I enjoyed it a lot more but before that point when I had to stop to take a breath every five seconds I was really annoyed with it um I think if this is really off topic, but like, I think if they just took the stamina meter away when you're sprinting, it would just be yes, better. Yes, I would, you know, I'm fine with the stamina no meter for climbing, because at least it depletes a little slower, but for running in this huge open world where it takes forever to get everywhere before you get Rivali's Gale, you know, like having the stupid stamina meter when you're running, because people didn't like it when it was in Skyward Sword, so I have no idea why they kept it I for running. You liked it? Yeah, I like. I, mean, the I know why they kept thing. it for climbing, but I don't like it for sprinting. There's no reason to have a stamina for sprinting because there's you're not I mean, being well, challenged. Okay. Because because the thing with climbing is like, can you get up there? Can you find a way up there? And the stamina meter is to prevent it from just being you sitting there mm -hmm. climbing. But then when you're sprinting, there's no thought involved in that. I mean, I, I know with um, you know? Skyward Sword anyways, like the way how they would design the the worlds and everything like that. Like if you were sprinting, they would they would delica delicately place the little uh, stamina seeds like yes. in, in parts. Which of, is why uh, I think the stamina system is better in that game. I mean, I could agree with you there. Like, because it feels like as if it was there for a reason. Um, 
And that yeah. also was kind of a challenge where it's just like, oh yeah, how fat, how far can you run without losing stamina? You know, and that's, that's, yeah. you know, uh, Breath of the Wild doesn't um, really have anything like that when you're sprinting, but you know, it, it didn't really bother me that much that there wasn't anything like that. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, but one thing I do want to say is I actually think that the story had a lot of potential that wasn't that was kind of buried under the fact that the entire story basically takes place before the game starts you mm. know um but like the actual presentation like the voice act some people were miscast like i don't know who thought Ch sean chiplock was a good great deku tree <laughs> he's a fantastic rivali but he's not a very good great deku tree and it's just like some of the some of the casting in that game was pretty bad but when it was good it was good like i feel like and this is why even though breath of the wild was not one of my favorite zelda games still i feel like the potential in a sequel is high because the first game was an experiment to try something different with the franchise that worked in some ways and not as well in others. Uh, now with the sequel, they have the opportunity, like they have a foundation to work with, they have an engine, they have some models, you know, they have a formula that works, they have feedback. I feel like this next game could be, could completely blow the first one out of the water if they do it right. Um, I don't want to get my expectations up too high, but... I can even say that, like, I I want it to blow Breath of the Wild out of the water because, like, what we've seen so far, it is weird, it is unsettling, and it is creepy, and it is ominous, and I loved it. I fucking loved it. You hear the music that's playing in reverse? Ganondorf is a fucking zombie. There's like a, a like a, a, a no, terrifying shot of I'm like wrong. Hyrule Castle just getting ready to like float up in the sky. Like what the fuck is going on here? Like that's that's what like, really um, has me hooked. It's just like what are they doing? Yeah, I was interested in that too, but correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't like the first form of Calamity Gammon, the final boss, have like Ganon's face on it? It had like or at least his, like a skull. It had like his features, but it was on like a giant robot spider thing. Yeah, it was like a giant robot spider with Ganondorf's head on it. Yeah. Okay, so we've seen this will this will be because it's I guess why I'm excited for this one. I feel like they can improve some of the lesser game design things about the first one. Get rid of the fucking stamina meter for running. Um, put in more dungeons. Because I actually, playing Hyrule Castle again, that was fucking great. Yeah. And... Yeah, Hyrule Castle's my favorite dungeon. And I feel like if they did more of that, if the second game would be pretty fucking fun. Like, I like the idea of, like, you... Yeah, well, that's that's my chief... Like, it's kind of... I think all of your problems with it are all of my problems with it at the end of the day. Yeah. Because my chief complaints are that the story is extremely underdeveloped. And it's not even that it's... The, it's that it's underdeveloped. Like, I like all the characters in it. Like, the champions and well, stuff. The, yeah, it's just, like, I wanted to see more of that. that which it, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, but, like, that... That is, yeah, that's what I mean by underdeveloped. 
is that you don't like small <laughs> tangent but my my ideal breath of the wild the more i think about it is one where the story happens and you get to actually experience it and then the thing ha like and then bad things happen you know and obviously logistically that's hard because you go like a hundred years but the problem with the setup that they currently have is that yeah it is cool to like i think it has a cool atmosphere to like explore a ruined hyrule one that feels emptier yeah. by choice but it's hard to care about anything yeah. that happened before. Yeah, I completely agree with and, you. But they really want you to care about things that happened before. But it's so because hard. Because we already know it's, how it's that like story I ends. Said. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was even saying this on Twitter. It's the Force Awakens situation where the events leading up to the story are far more interesting than the story itself. Yeah. Um, Like... My ideal would be, like, that, two halves. Maybe even, like, if the first Breath of the Wild was, like, more... It was, like, before that happened. Yeah. And then the sequel was, like, what we actually got. But then now I'm thinking, like... Now I'm thinking it's almost the reverse, where the first one was less story-focused, and then this one will be more story-focused. But it's hard to even say yeah. at this point. But all I can really say is what I want. Right. I do want it to be more story focused. I don't want it to like, like force you to go places. Obviously, but like I like I need something. Like there's like, some really great ideas something. in the first Breath of the Wild. Like the the idea of a Zelda yeah. who doesn't want to be Zelda and who resents Link and you know, like I read her diary yeah, pages and, you know and she's talking about how she interpreted Link's silence as him judging her. For her failure, you know. You know what? And then it turns out. I've said before that I don't like that. But thinking back, the reason I don't like it is because you don't like you don't really get that much time with her to understand her until you think about it more. You know? Yeah. Like if if it was just if they just did more with it, then I probably wouldn't. If hate if we her. had seen that story I, play I out a strong word, in real like, time in the game. It would have been so much better. Well, to reel it back to the sequel, that looks like as if that's one of the things that they're going to be fixing. It looks like as if Zelda's having more of an active role in this game. Yeah. Which is really exciting, which means we could also probably get a playable Zelda. But it's hard to say... It's, which should be great. It's hard to say yeah. anything from this, though, is the problem. Because I'm really excited, but it's hard to say anything at all at this point. Because all we can really talk about is, like, the tone they're going just for. Just fucking creepy, and I love it. And, like, it's not even just, like, a one-off. Because Aonuma even said that... Aonuma, like, was in an interview. And they asked him, like, they were talking about the comparisons to Majora's Mask that people have been making. And Aonuma's like, oh, no, it's not like Majora's Mask. It's even darker. Those were his exact See, words. Here's my thing is that, like... Like, it, it's... It's like when people compare this game to Majora's Mask, it kind of feels like as if, and it's a bit of a side tangent where it's like, when, when people are like, oh yeah, it's like Majora's Mask because it's dark. It's just like, well, that's not the point of Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask was like, it, Majora's Mask was about finding the light at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't about how dark and how spooky it was. I mean, yeah, that game was, I, that game's like, if you condense that game into a word, Yeah, it's, it's about, about hope. hope. It's about happiness. It's about bringing happiness to people. It's not spooky scary. I mean, it is. But that's kind of the, like, 
it, it, the, the scariness. They make it spooky and scary so that you excruciate well, the, the happy the parts. Yes. Majora's Mask. It, the tone of Majora's Mask is dark. It's exactly. Just the message isn't. And this, like with the Breath of the Wild sequel, it looks like as if it's trying to be more horror, which I think is fine. I, I love that idea, which. You know, Exoa, whoever's editing this, like, if you just want to put up a picture of um, the concept art of the Guardians, before they took on their mechanical shape, they had, like, these weird fucking, like, crab designs, these spider designs. Like, it looked like something straight out of, like, The Mist from Stephen King. And it looks so fucking cool. So if they can bring this stuff back... You know what? Like, put it, or, like, take these concepts and then, like, have them realized in this game, that will be fucking amazing. The more I think about it, the more I wonder if they're just going to go full out like... Okay, I have two things. One, the first time I ever saw a Guardian in Breath of the Wild, yeah. I shit my pants. <laughs> so if they can emulate that on like a tenfold scale... Well, King K, you've seen what they wonderful. looked like, right? Second thing... Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> the second thing is if, if the overworld this time might elicit the same kind of response as in Skyward Sword, mm. you know, the Silent Realms. Those things are very yeah. unsettling. <laughs> I think those, those were like the are best parts of the game for me, though. I love those things. Really? Yeah. And if they can emulate something like that, yeah, I actually, those are actually some of my favorite parts, too. Interesting. Um, it would be mostly just because I, I like how mm. it makes me feel, you know? Like, it's just kind of like, it's very calm, and then, like, the immediate clash when you're caught, it just feels like, okay, I'm doing something It's like, even wrong. when it's calm, you know, you're like, I've never seen such an effective, like, effective way to, like, like, make even, me feel Even when it's calm, and I think it's just like, you know at, like, any moment, if you were to just, like, take one little misstep, everything will be fucked. So you have, like, that, that, that thing in the back of your head telling you, like, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, and then you screw up, and then you fuck up, and then you're running for your life, then you're screaming, just, and then you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine a Hyrule that, like, is darker. Not, like, in tone, but, like, literally darker. Like, if you make a wrong step. It's not like a stealth game, but, like, if, you, if like, the things are more... The enemies are more creepy. Yeah. The enemies are kind of, like... Like, there's a new thing, a new evil that just makes the overworld scarier than it like, was before. Like I'm not sure how much they'll, like, because I can't think of another way to revisit the same location and make it interesting. Mm -hmm. You know? Now, do we know... Like, I don't know how do you do that. Do we know for a fact uh, whether this game will take, will use, like, the same world assets? It's hard to say. Because they just keep saying Hyrule. But that can mean literally anything. Okay. Uh, But it's it's in the same, like... Aonuma said that he wanted to revisit this Hyrule. Those were his words, and that's why he's making a sequel. I don't know what the fuck that means, to be honest. But... I just hope we get to see this game soon. Like, I know it says, like, oh yeah, it's now in development, but... Like, they have everything there, so I'm hoping to see it within, like, maybe... Like, two years or something. <laughs> I want this fucking game now! Oh. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. That's all I really have to say about Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, this year was... Yeah, I mean, well, what, this what, year is... You know, one, little, one, one little thing... Actually, no. One more thing. I have one more thing. One more oh, thing yeah, sure. I played from Nintendo. Two more things, actually. 
One of them technically is a Nintendo exclusive though, so, but the one thing I forgot is that I played Pokemon. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> That'd be a good thing to talk and about. And it was fun. So, okay, well, <laughs> there's, um, well, I, I mean, know. there's actually, okay, so I, I kind of have to like take a slice out, out of uh, some humble pie real quick Ooh. because I was one of those guys who were like, I mean, I thought the game always looked good. I was always going to get it because I like these games, but I'm like, like looking at it when it was first revealed, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like, it looks good. It, it just it kind of looks like a 3DS upscale. Like, I'm not really that impressed by it. But then when they had this direct and then you see the Pokemon running around in the open world and then you hear interviews with them saying like, oh, yeah, uh, in the wild areas, you can now see like actual player characters running around, like trying to catch Pokemon. There's raids now. It's like, what? What? So like they're trying to have like MMO stuff in there. And like some of the new Pokemon that they revealed were really cute too. I like the the thing where like the Pokemon go big. Like there's a lot of stuff that was shown that I'm interested in. And now I'm actually like genuinely excited for this. Like I'm really fucking stoked for this. It sucks that there's no national decks, but I don't really, that doesn't really bother me too much. You know, I'm, I'm a, you know what doesn't, I'm kind of upset by the fact that people can't do that anymore. Like, transfer their Pokemon. Yeah. All of them. They can transfer some of them, but, like... It's also, like, what I've been saying is that this had to happen eventually. Like, there's no way that you keep making Pokemon and it just becomes easier to develop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, there's a point at which it is way too much to handle like they're at over 800 over 800 individual Gotta models catch them all. that they have to make yeah and those models are really fucking detailed mm. like you, if you look at the pokemon models they're the most detailed things in these games usually so they spend a lot of time on well, these. The point is, yeah. is that they can't make single frame sprites anymore and pass that off for Pokemon <laughs> like they could before. Yeah, I, I, like if they kept making sprites, they probably wouldn't even run into this issue. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is that like this isn't even a now problem, because even if they delayed it like a few months, which is already a question in itself, because... Pokemon Company is like a monolithic like if you delay a main game it delays everything else around it because it's a generation yeah but you know whatever even if they did that to allow this to happen they can't just keep doing it because the next year it's going to be even longer and the next year it's going to be even longer well next year and the next game really because they don't come out yearly but like it's just going to keep going and it's not going to get better the same thing's going to happen with Smash Brothers eventually maybe even now like, they can't just keep doing it. <laughs> it's impossible. You know? Mm. So, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the national decks being limited. And I don't... I'm not really the type of person who transfers my Pokemon anyway. And even still... So, and I've always kind of been for them limiting, like, Pokemon choice, at least for like, the Like, wasn't that even, like, adventure. the thesis of your Let's Go review? Yes. Yeah. I like when they're limited. Especially when they're all new. Because then it feels fresh and exciting, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, you're in a new region. You don't see Pelipper for the 18th Pelipper, time. Pelipper, you know? try, like, Pidgey. 
Eradicate. But you know something like I mean, even I've seen. I think Pelipper's been in every generation as a common. Well, that's why I said well, it. Well, except for yeah, okay, yeah, except for one and two, obviously, yeah. because he's <laughs> in those. But like the thing is also is that like it sucks that you can't have them in Sword and Shield, but you could still have them on the home app, you know. So at least they're still there in some way. So it's something. It's better than nothing, I think. I just, I just don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, it sucks, but it's not like... It was going to happen. It doesn't bother me. And even for the people it does bother, yeah, it sucks. But I think this had to happen eventually. You know? it's. But I played it. And it was fun. And you know what? It's weird to play it on a TV... Cause it's kind of like you and I entered a gym. I was playing the water gym is what they let you do. And so there's still puzzles. So it just kind of seems like gym leaders are the, just how they used to be. Good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't like the trials. I hated so the trials. You, that, so yeah. you solve a, what you do is you solve like a water valve puzzle. You I hate the same valve thing. puzzles. If you've played a Pokemon puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> if you've played a Pokemon puzzle. You know what you're in for here, alright? It's nothing mind-boggling. But, um, you walk in there, it's a fucking huge room with, like, the camera kind of behind you, if you know what I mean. And it was kind of like, what, am I, I'm playing Pokemon? Like, because <laughs> the camera's not overhead anymore, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Sun and Moon experimented with camera angles, but, like, playing Sword and Shield, it's like, oh, the camera's behind me now, and the room I'm in is fucking massive. And then you go to the stadium, and that's fucking massive, and you get Dynamaxing. And it really does feel like, okay, this is kind of the home console Pokemon I always expected we'd get. <laughs> like, it actually does feel like that. Because at first I was kind of like, oh, it's, it is a little bit like... It does... I kind of agree. It does feel a little bit like uh, there's still... They're still hot off the 3DS trying to learn what they're doing, which I was okay with, but then I play it and I'm like, okay, this is actually a lot bigger than I thought, <laughs> like, and playing it makes all the difference to me because you play it and you look at it on a TV. It's like, Jesus Christ, like, this is like, I couldn't have imagined this <laughs> in the past. It's just kind of crazy, but, um, Pokemon's Pokemon. I mean, Dynamaxing, it just makes your attacks stronger. You know what I mean? I don't know stat-wise. I feel what like it does, they've been I trying to like check, do this in every moves. game. Like they have some kind of. First, it was Z evolutions. Then it was the Z I moves. Think this is a winner because the problem with Mega evolutions and Z moves were that they were either too limited or too powerful. I think Mega evolutions were too powerful, and it kind of just felt like an I win button. In competitive, that's a different story, but whatever. And they just... I remember being excited for Mega Evolutions, and then eventually it was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. And then only a few Pokemon even got them. And then Z-Moves is like, oh, everybody can use the Z-Move, but they have to have the Z-Crystal, which eliminates their whole item, and they can only use it once. And it's it just kind of felt like a gimmick. And Dynamaxing is like... Every Pokemon can Dynamax, but only in certain locations, like gym battles and stuff like Dynamaxed, that. Dynamaxed, Whale Lord. I think, yeah. Let's see this shit. And I think that's the best <laughs> of both worlds, because you power up your Pokemon, and all four of your base moves are powered up. 
and they get different effects. Like, I powered up my Grookey. You use a grass-type move, and it's like this massive grass-type attack, and then it induces a weather condition afterward. So, like, I was fighting a rock-type, and he used a rock-type attack, and then a sandstorm happened after his attack. So, like, it's, it's a lot more than I expected. Also, they added a grass-type weather condition, from what I can imagine, like, from what I can gather, because I've never seen it before in my life. What was it? And it, like, heal. I think it heals your grass types every turn. Isn't that sunny day? Which is really interesting. No, sunny day doesn't do that. Sunny day powers up your fire type attacks. I feel like the... It also lets you use solar beam. Yeah, I feel like it powers up... I feel like that happened in the Gen 1 champion battle, is that he had, like, if you pick a fire type, then never mind. Well, sunny day is a fire type weather effect. (sighs) The grass type weather effect is, like... It'll heal the grass types every turn. Okay. Mm. So, like, when you're Dynamaxed, you get, like, your base power is, like, 100 or 140 or something like that. And then you induce weather conditions or other special effects. So it seems like they're going all in. And, I mean, it's not it's probably not going to be a revolutionary mechanic, but it looks like it's fun to play around with. And all of your Pokemon can use it. And it feels more fleshed out than Z-moves, so I can only really see it as an evolution of what they're doing. I think they're onto something with it. Uh, okay. Uh, personally, I do not. Because, like, I got Ultra Sun and Ult- Ultra Sun specifically on Hadox and King K's recommendation. Uh, because, like, I was always complaining about how stale these games are. And it was fresh, kind of. I enjoyed it for, like, the first couple hours. But then I quickly realized how inane the trials were gameplay wise it's just like you fight a couple things that the guy tells you to do and then you fight a big pokemon and then that's it it felt like a bunch of random whatever stuff they made up whereas at least the gyms had like puzzles and stuff you know and then i just got bored and i dropped it and i haven't touched it in like eight months so like i feel like I've, I've given this franchise so many chances to win me back over, and only Detective Pikachu... Have you tried Let's Go? I own it. I haven't played it yet. You should try it. I don't know. It's That might grip me because of my Fire Red Leaf Green nostalgia. Maybe. But it's just like, these games are all the same thing. Over Like, Jeb made this video called Growing Out of Pokemon, what that really means, that I think encapsulates what I feel perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I can't... I hate that thumbnail, though. It's a dumb <laughs> thumbnail, but the video w- was... Well, explain. <laughs> well, it's just like, I can't bring myself to care about Pokemon anymore. I just don't care. Because these games are so boring. And I never want to play one again as long as I live. It's part of the reason why the Aurora hasn't come out. Because it's just... Even though I... By the time I finished Gen 1, I was just like completely wiped. Then I had to play it again. And again. I've got so goddamn sick of Pokemon. And it's just like... It's amazing how far the series has come in some ways. And how far it hasn't come in others. You know what I mean? It's like the, f- uh-huh. the the main conceit of it, the battling the monsters, has remained the same. And despite all of the changes they've made, it's still fundamentally clicking buttons in a menu. And it's boring. And I don't want to play it anymore. 
So I don't, I could not care less about sword and shield. Yeah, I mean. It is what it is. I doubt sword and shield's gonna change your mind, to be honest. But I think that's just like. The fact that it's at least a console game is somewhat interesting. But that's it. I feel like. I'm far more excited for Detective I, Pikachu 2. I'm into. I think I'm far more into Pokemon than in. I should be. Because I kind of feel like Pokemon peaked when I was a kid. <laughs> if I'm gonna be frank. Oh, everyone like, says that. Uh, but I think that's just true across the board. Like, my favorite generation to play nowadays is the fifth. And see, the fifth? That, I didn't necessarily grow up with it, but I, I kinda did. But, like, I grew up with three and four way more, and those have the most Like, nostalgia. Ryan and I are a little bit older than Dan, or King K. Uh, like, Ryan and I are basically the same age. So, like, my first Pokemon game was Gen 3. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe for Ryan it was Gen 2 or Gen 1, I don't know. It was it was Gen one. Oh really? My first was Gen three. Um, as well. Yeah, you know. And so like, I I, rem I I vaguely remember this too. I remember uh, my mom came home with a copy of uh, Pokemon Yellow and Pokemon Blue, and she uh, my favorite Pokemon. I, I I got into Pokemon through the uh, cartoon, and I always liked Pikachu, and uh, my mom like hid the two games behind her back. She called me and my sister over. I was like, okay, uh, you got to pick one game. You got to pick one thing from behind my hand. Which one do you want? And then I picked Pokemon Yellow, and I still own that cartridge to this day. That's adorable. Uh, little, little, uh, little Ryan. Little sentimental shit thrown in there. Um, <laughs> but the I remember getting Pokemon Diamond from Circuit City. <laughs> when that was I remember stealing my cousin's copy of Pokemon Ruby and deleting his I save also... file so I could play it because I didn't know <laughs> Pokemon didn't have more than one save file, and I wiped his whole. Oh my game. god! There was this kid. There was this kid in the third grade, and there was like some sort of like after school thing, right? I brought my Game Boy Advance, I was playing Pokemon Ruby, and I had like a shiny Nuzleaf, and uh, like, and uh, I was trying to like raise him and train him so I can take him to the Elite Four, and this this kid, Mark, that was his fucking name, I remember you Mark, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he was like, oh hey, can I play the game? I promise I won't save over your file. He saved over my file. <laughs> Fuck you, Mark. Well, fuck the Pokemon company for not putting more than one save file in the game. That's the real problem. Fuck Mark specifically. <laughs> I don't understand why they do that, but anyways. Um, it's probably because saving all the variables for all those different Pokemon probably maxes out those little batteries, but still doesn't explain why something like Let's Go couldn't have more than one save file when it just creates a thing on the hard drive. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Uh, but it's just like, I remember Ruby being like really into that and playing that all the time and being like really, you know, really enjoying that. And then like Leaf Green was my favorite because it actually looked like the anime episodes that were rerunning at the time. So it was kind of cool to go to Saffron City and meet Sabrina when I had seen that in the show. Because they never they never aired the damn Hoenn episodes on TV. They only aired them on like Fridays or something. And my parents eventually took it off the TiVo. Fuck you, mom. Uh, <laughs> they they would just do that. They they would get sick of watching Kirby right back at you or Pokemon and take it off the TiVo without telling us because they didn't want to have to watch it with us. Fuck you, mom. 
How dare you do that to Kirby? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, and then it was like Diamond came out, and I, or Diamond and Pearl came out, and I was one of those one of the one percent of people on the planet who picked Pearl instead, and I liked it. And then Golden the the Gen Two remakes came out, and it was just like, oh, this is supposedly the best one. Let's play that, and I'm just like. What's so great about this? But I still finished it and kind of had fun with it. And then Gen 5 for me was the point where it got old and like I barely finished it, you know, and that was despite it having all new Pokemon, like a hundred some new Pokemon and you, you couldn't use stuff from Gen 1 through 4 right away. Like they tried, they really tried to make it fresh and it still wasn't enough for me. I was bored and I haven't come back to it since. You know what I mean? And I feel like everybody goes through that with Pokemon. Like, it'll be, like, for if you ask a lot of Gen Xers or older Millennials, it's just like, oh yeah, I played Gen 1, that was great. Gen 2 was fucking amazing, then Gen 3 was a disappointment, and it's been downhill ever since, or whatever, you know? That story comes up all the time on the internet. I feel like everybody has that, and it's like what King K said, it peaked when you were a kid. It was, it's all about what you played and when. Not so much about the quality of the games themselves. I feel like an anomaly, though, because I still like the games a lot. Like, I'm more than normal. Like, I still really love playing them. Every, like, every time a new one comes out, I look forward to it. Like, it's just because I like team building so much. That's why I replay so many of the games all the time. And it, it still did peak when I was a kid, because nothing's ever going to top when I was a kid and I could trade with yeah. people at school. And that's, because that's... I have a video written about Ooh. it. Ooh. There's, it's, uh, my dubbing of Pokemon is that it is a social event masquerading as a video That's game. That's actually an and excellent you're only gonna point. Get the you're only going to get the most out of it when you're a kid. You can still do stuff when you're an adult, but you, when you're a kid, you're forced to be with other kids. <laughs> you don't get a say in it. And they're probably playing Pokemon too. So, like... You get that, you know? You get friends who are playing it, and you're like, let's do that. Let's, and then that's why you get the most nostalgic memories. Because you're also, like, you're talking with them, or at least back when the internet was not fresh. That <laughs> You'd be like, hey, what's what's the new myth? I remember we had, like, we looked at a strategy guide for the Battle Frontier in Emerald, and we thought we saw a Manaphy egg. A Pokemon that did not exist in that generation, mind mm. you. But it was, like, on the cusp of Gen 4. It was just a coffee stain. <laughs> For some reason, it looked like a Manaphy egg. I don't know why it looked like a Manaphy egg, but me and my friends were convinced. And we kept going there in the game, and we were like, why is there no Manaphy egg? That is my Mew under the truck. <laughs> that is, that's my version of it. And you think about it, like, there are lots of real popular ones like that, right? But there are so many that people don't even know about because it's just local things that happened. And that's kind of the magic Pokemon, and you can't have that when you're older. I still like it mechanically because I like team building. I think there's a lot of replayability, customizing teams, making weaker teams deliberately to have more of a challenge, making gimmick teams, doing nuzlocks, all that. Like I, I just think it's so fun to replay. I think what it is but for me is I don't find I, I don't think it's ever going to reach that peak as it was. When it's I was like a you're kid. absolutely right because like the internet as it is right now is not what the internet was like in 2004. When I was playing these, when I was playing like Ruby and stuff, you know what I mean? It's it, there was a lot more word of mouth for this kind of stuff. Like I remember hearing about Missing No for the first time 
in fourth grade and hearing rumors about how you would get that you know so dan's absolutely right i think but what i think part of it is for me is i don't find the process of building a team to be very fun because it takes too long and it's it's like it's even like what uh Hadox is writing in our gen one script for that video that still hasn't come out is that nobody has time to grind evs and ivies anymore you know it takes too long and it's boring and that's why i can't play these I mean, games anymore thing, i don't even do that i don't even go that far with it i think it's more that like i just i go with the flow usually i'm like hey i've never used that before i want to see how it does and like the process of doing that for me is almost like it almost justifies playing it again because like you get to like it's a weird experience but you get to like even if you don't you end up not liking a certain pokemon once you get to the end of the game it's like wow i'm really glad that i stuck it through with this team yeah. i tried them out i tried them all out i found a few favorites you know it's it's a weird thing i can't get in other games no other game is like that uh -huh. like you you got your job systems in your final fantasies that's similar, but nowhere near the amount of customizable. Well, you know, like, I love Final Fantasy V, but if it had 10 sequels that all did the same thing, I would have gotten sick of it by then, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I probably would have. But I think it's the sheer quantity of Pokemon that gets me. Well, it's it's one of those things. There are new ones every generation like to critique, play around with that keeps me coming. The Geek Critique coming. was even tweeting about this when the National Dex controversy hit. Like, he was happy that they were limiting it because it means we could actually catch them all. And it means there weren't a billion different Pokemon that all do the same thing. Because there are 800 of them now. <laughs> I don't think they... I don't think they all do, like... I think there are very little Pokemon that are just the same. Well, it's like Plusil and Minin are basically Pikachu. You know, it's it's like well, no, in they terms aren't. of I'm they, talking they about different, like like listen, I'm not as that's, mechanically that's versed I'm as to you make are. The point is that team building is so fun because I don't think any one Pokemon is the same, and that's why building a team is fun is to see what their strengths and weaknesses are. Because I don't think Plusil and Minin are like Pikachu. They're actually much weaker. I mean, they look like you know, Pikachu, yeah, that, but that, that was more of the point battle, I was making. They're really not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, design-wise, <laughs> it's just. I mean, I'll give you that. It, it, but the the presumption, but I'm not into it's it like, for that. You know about all of the mechanical details and like the stats and stuff and all the advanced tech. But for me, as more of a casual Pokemon player, I don't know all of that stuff, and it's really hard to get into it if you don't already know it. Does that make sense? I so, guess, from my point of view... I feel like, though, even if I didn't... Because it's not even really about advanced stuff. Because I know that stuff just because I know it. It's kind of like Kingdom Hearts. I'm not in it for the plot. But I know what the plot is. Because I have to know what it is. You know? I'm in it for, like, characters and, like, weird wacky shit. But, like... It's more about, like, the... It's just for me, as a person... Building a team, it's not even like rigorously like, what are the stats? It's just like getting a team of six that I really like and just finishing out the game with them. And the, it's like the journey for me is really important. And I feel like I can keep having unique journeys over and over, even in the same places. I get that. And that's why like, I actually if a get new that. game is underwhelming, it's usually because it's like 
it's for reasons that are different than probably most people. Like X and Y, I'm not sure what the consensus is on X and Y, to be honest, but I don't like it very much because it feels like they try to throw absolutely everything in the world at you in X and Y, and I'm just kind of like, but I've done all that before. And that's why I like Sun and Moon more, is because I'm like, okay, they're playing, like, there's kind of a reason for me to play this one over the others. Like... There, there's more of a draw here for me to build teams in than like X and Y, which had a, I, I'm just gonna say it had like a shit story, like a completely shitty, like, I mean, they tried, I'll give them that, but like, I hate the story of that game so much. But that's why I like that they started being more focused on that story stuff since Gen 5. Cause I think it's, it's, it's a surprisingly effective way to get me to play that over a different one other than just new Pokemon and new Pokemon do help. But I think Pokemon has become much more than like a game. It's more of like an event that happens where I'm like, oh, I get to see new Pokemon. Yeah, it's, Pokemon's like a never ending video game. And to a lot of people, that's like, oh, God, that's so dreadful. But to me, it's like it's a never ending video game that keeps getting added onto and onto and onto. And you keep getting you glimpse new glimpses into the world of Pokemon, the new different species, and it's just like oh, a new opportunity for me to build a team with new like new variables, even you know. Mm -hmm. I also like math, so maybe I'm just a geek. You are a geek. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I guess liking math would make me more of a nerd than a geek. Oh. Uh. Depends on how different, how differently you define those two terms, but yeah. Anyway, on another note, Mario Maker Two, it's looking pretty fucking great. Even like, especially now when they confirmed that they're going to have it to where you could play online multiplayer with friends, which you know should have been in the base game, but whatever. They're doing. You know, it. it is very rare for Nintendo to acknowledge a mistake and correct it. So yeah. I'll take it. When they fuck up that bad, yeah, they better fucking acknowledge that shit. Well, they didn't fix Splatoon 2's matchmaking well, system. Say, I, I won't... I won't not buy it anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying I'll buy it, but I won't not buy it anymore. I, I still wish that they brought back the Amiibo costumes, because like that was one of the coolest things about that game for me, but what? like I'm not losing Now, sleep wasn't that now. purely cosmetic? My outrage over Mario Maker 2 was so much more policy-based than it was game-based, because I probably was never going to buy it anyway. But it was so, the outrage was so much more about them than it was the game. The game is, like, irrelevant to me. Mm -hmm. It's just so inane. I mean, I'm glad they changed it, but... I don't know, I probably, like, I'm not super interested in it. Maybe that, as a mechanic, would get me to buy it. Maybe. If everybody else is. I as, I don't know. Someone who was planning on going back to school in the fall for game design. Because, like, fun story. Uh, I had to, to, in order to get into the school I wanted, I had to submit a short design portfolio of stuff I made. And, you know, sort of talk about the thought process behind making it, you know, knowing your audience, soliciting feedback, you know, stuff like that, designing things. And one of the mm -hmm. things I submitted was a level I made in Mario Maker 2, or Mario Maker 1, sorry. 
and just sort of talk about the process of designing that level and thinking about, okay, what's, how do we make this challenging, but fair, you know, with like, what's the conceit here? How is it structured? And that was really interesting. So I, I'm interested in Mario Maker 2 for that reason of, you know, having that I'm mostly toolkit. just interested in it for streaming material. Yeah, that too. Because <laughs> I, like, I like live streaming and I want to get more into it. So... Yep. Also, the community around Mario Maker, like, when it first came out, it was fucking, like, it was everywhere. And I loved it. Yep. And having it on the Switch, I think will make it even bigger than before. So that'll be great. Yes. And being able to friends play with friends is a bonus. And we got slopes. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, cool. All right. I, um, I just hope that they add the amiibo costumes for, through like a patch or something like that. That's really it. Um, I'm a simple man. Can should we talk about Halo? Yeah, why not? It looks. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, okay. So, have you guys? I am so confused about fucking Halo Infinity. Nobody can give me a straight answer on what the fuck. I, it I is. think it's because we don't know yet. I. I, I I am so sick of not knowing. Just tell me. Tell me what it's it is. A I sequel. was really like, I was upset that we didn't okay. see any gameplay of sequel. it though. Cool. <laughs> Do I need to play Halo Five? Okay. Um. Okay. So, uh, Ryan, have you played Halo Five? Yes. It sucked. I thought it was a competent video game. I mean, it's. I like Halo. <laughs> I'm real. Yeah, I'm really. Okay, sold well, enough. I'm. It's not a must play. I'll say it that way. Uh, but my thing with Halo is, I like it mostly for the story and the gunplay is, you know, fun enough. You know what I mean? Because um, uh -huh. it's like I like the universe of Halo. I like the mystery of the forerunners and what they left behind. I, you know, I'd like learning more about you know, kind of the society of the Covenant, you know, their values and beliefs and stuff. And that was part of what made the original trilogy so great. And Halo 2 especially uh, was, you know, seeing the Arbiter side, his, you know, sort of realizing that, you know, his faith was misplaced and realizing that the hierarchs betrayed him and all that. And, you know. Yeah, that's the shit I love about Halo. And, but I, I don't want to be like unfair. Because I know I dropped off at four, I beat four, and it's hard for me to articulate what about four was weird to me. And the I, art I style like, was different for one, and I, I guess they started doing this in ODST and Reach, but they started making the Covenant enemies sound like aliens instead of giving them English lines. You know, like the grunts used to be like. Yeah! And they'd, they'd say, they'd, apparently the joke is, is they took the marine dialogue and sped it up, pitch shifted it in post, and used that as the grunt voices, and then they had some deep-voiced guy go, oh, You know, yeah, I think, you know, the heart of it, I think, is that there was a kind of, it was a very subtle cheese to Halo 1, 2, and 3. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it like it was a serious story in a sense, but there are goofy moments. But when you're playing it, it's it's not like the like 
it's a, it's kind of just like a fun kind of like because sure like there's a threat there's like scary moments like when the flood comes like I remember when the in Halo 3 when the flood attacked um New Mom is it New Mombasa I don't yeah remember. they attack something I with their it, ship and you just see the sh the the like frigate like fly in with flood and it's like I remember being really afraid by that when I was first played it yeah but there's always this is kind of like an underlying camp like it's just it was kind of like fun in its own like it, it didn't feel like it took itself too seriously chief what are you like, doing serious moments, giving the covenant like, back their bomb yeah I mean like that shit like I know what you're thinking and it's crazy Unfortunately for both of us, I like crazy. It's like it was campy. That's like it, it took itself I mean, seriously when I, it I needed to, like, but it was still filled with a lot of camp and cheese, and I loved it. Because I, I played like even because I still like Reach, but even Reach to an extent felt like it was drifting away from that. Mm -hmm. It felt super like serious and grim. And I, it's kind of what it was going for, but it, you, you, you know what it is about like those two games, away. ODST. And reaches. I feel like without that forerunner element, something is really missing. Mm. Yeah, without like you know the what I Halo mean? rings and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, for, and that was actually something I really liked about four. Was that I felt like there was a new. It reminded me a lot of the story of the first game, actually, uh, where it's like you come to this mysterious place and it's like, oh, what is this? What was it made for? And yeah, Requiem kind of reminded me of the, the first game. And, you know, I like the stuff about, like, the uh, mantle of responsibility and the didact and, like, the controversy over how to deal with the flood. And strangely, I think the didact solution makes a lot more sense than killing everything in the universe and reintroducing it. That is what it is. And then what 5 was, King K, was... Because it's like the ending of 4, I thought, was yeah. pretty damn good emotionally. Because, um, spoilers... Cortana dies, um, and it's actually a pretty great scene, and they take the time to have, like, because, you know, it's like the Master Chief has always been a very stoic character, like, even at the beginning of the first game, where that one guy in the shuttle's like, we're all gonna die, and he's just, he just, like, pats him on the shoulder, you know what I mean, just, and he's always just like, we'll make it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he, he, nothing ever goes wrong for him, he's always just lucky enough to squeak by, and that was, like, the first time that the Chief... Like he lost someone really dear to him, and he didn't doesn't really know how to feel about that. I thought that ending was great. Then in five, Cortana's not dead. She emerged with the Forerunner domain, and now she wants AIs to destroy the universe and take the mantle of responsibility. And it ends in a cliffhanger. It was weird. You know what it is? I just thought about this now. I know what it is deep down in my heart. It's that. The fact of, I remember seeing the reveal of Halo 4 and being like, whoa, that's cool. Like, we're getting a continuation from the ending of 3. And now I think back and I'm like, we didn't need that. Like, I don't think, because for me, that story, the Chief's story, by extension, kind of the Arbiter as well. Maybe you could do more with the Arbiter, but that's not my point. But like... The story of the Chief at the end of 3 
felt like a good end for him. Mm, I disagree. A lot of people, I, a lot of people were like, "That's a cliffhanger." I don't think. So. Uh, go ahead. A lot okay. of people are like, "That's a cliffhanger." I thought it was too when I was younger. The more I think about it, I'm like, we got a glimpse into this man's life. We got a glimpse into the heroic feats he did, saved the world once or twice. You know, like what I would have wanted more is the, actually kind of the direction that Reach went. Kind of. Reach doesn't really count because it's a prequel, but like, I wanted them to start telling different stories in that same universe, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't... Yeah. I think the crux of my... The crux of it is that I don't need to follow the Master Chief anymore. Like, I think that part of it, mm. the Master Chief and Cortana and everybody surrounding him. It's... I want to experience more of the world, and I think the strongest part of 4 was the Forerunner, the Didact stuff, like... Yeah. And the new weapons that came with it were pretty cool. Um, but, like... Yeah. I, like, I, didn't, I, I, I thought, didn't need to experience uh, that kind of a thing with the Master Chief. My thing is, though, with Halo 3's ending, though, like, the legendary ending shows that the ship that he's on is headed towards a new planet, which says that, oh, no, there's definitely more shit happening. So I never really I never really bought that. Like, if it just ended with him in the tube and there was no, like, hook like that, then, yeah, I think that'd be fine. But no, it shows that, hey, look, he's going somewhere. The story ain't done yet, Chief. I, ju I just, <laughs> I wish it was. This ending ain't it, Chief. I don't know, like... Hmm. I never needed anything more than what we got. And I feel like the more we keep getting... When I played 4, I didn't really feel the same, like... Because it just didn't really feel like it was going anywhere with it. The ending was, I guess, the ending was powerful. But to me, it's kind of hard to, like, imagine the Chief's story reaching the same heights as it already did. Like, I I, I went on a ride with him, and I, I just want to go on a different one now. I like the universe. <laughs> That's probably still my favorite part of it. And But I want to yeah. explore that more through different eyes. And that, like... Actually, Halo 5 kind of interested me at first. With John Locke. Yeah. Or whatever his name is. And I, apparently that was handled Jameson horribly. Locke. I don't know. Like, I don't know what that... I don't know. But... He's just uh, a plank of wood. Like, the way 5 works is that you play as two teams of Spartans. A team of Spartan 2s, which is weird because I thought John was the last one of those. And apparently there are three more of them still alive, at least. And a team of Spartan 4s. And Jameson Locke leads the Spartan 4 team and basically he spends the entire game chasing after the Master Chief while the Master Chief gets abducted to what was it called Genesis Ryan fucking remember. and and it, he goes to a planet where Cortana is controlling the Guardians and you fight this Warden Eternal mini boss several times and like it, like you. Th if you thought Halo Four wasn't going anywhere interesting, what I liked about Halo Four is that it was like a little self-contained story. You know, where the whole drama of it, the crux of it, was can Cortana be saved? And ultimately, it, it's it's a tragedy. And we have the didact and his motivation and stuff like that, and then that all wrapped up. 
With five, it ended on a weird cliffhanger and I'm not really sure where it's going and I'm not really sure I wanted to know. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. I'm just more so like... So what it sounds like what they're doing is, it sounds like Cortana won. Uh, apparently there's a book that explains the events immediately after five that I have not read where the chief and arbiter reunite and some other stuff happens. I don't know. And then the opening of, of the trailer we got for infinite is supposedly picking up after that. So that just means that we so, have to read the books I, I think, again in order to understand what the fuck is going on with this game. So, so pretty much they well, learned wasn't that nothing. how it was before Halo Reach came out. If you wanted to know about the fall of Reach, you had no, to read the book, you had right? Halo Reach. You didn't need to know. No, Halo Reach didn't exist until yeah, after but, Combat Evolved. Yeah, but you still have plenty of information that told you Combat Evolved what was takes going place on. immediately Halo after Halo 5 the story fall was Reach. bad because it required you to like read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, watch all the fucking movies, just to know who all these characters were, and they expect that you knew who they were. I didn't feel like not having read the books it made the story harder to follow. It's like all of a sudden Halsey's missing like, an arm. I felt like what? What? Okay, yeah, that I didn't. I, that I was weird, weirded out about because it was just like last I knew she was in jail, so I don't know exactly. how she got there, and they didn't explain. Um, so I'll give you that one. Yeah, but I don't know. It seems it seems like with Infinite that they're kind of backpedaling on this Reclaimer saga, maybe, and trying to do something different. Like they got feedback from Five and stuff. And, you know, people were dissatisfied with 4 and 5, and evidently th some of the people who manage 343 are a bit of a self-righteous and called the Halo fans yeah. entitled. I've heard many rumors of this from Helljumper. Uh, yeah. So it seems like they're backpedaling and they're trying harder to recapture the original Bungie trilogy. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Evidently, the game will at least take partially take place partially on another Halo installation. Like we have screenshots of those little Forerunner structures from the second level of the first game. So we're, that intrigues me. Like the the Forerunner element for me is like the most interesting part of the series. Uh, you know, just seeing like the stuff they left behind and kind of the mystery of unraveling that. That's basically the plot of the first game and why I love it so much. So, yeah, I mean, I was interested. We'll have to see more. Um, in any event, I'm. It, it sounds like the uh, Master Chief Collection is coming to PC starting with Reach. Uh, before we move on that from I was Infinite, one thing that I think is really smart that they're doing is that they're launching this game with the next Xbox next year. I was kind of worried yeah. that they wouldn't do that, but no, they are. They're being smart about it. And I, I think, because like there was also a lot of rumors this year about like, oh yeah, we're going to definitely see Fable 4, we're definitely going to see a new Banjo-Kazooie game. We didn't see that at E3, but if, <laughs> if they were smart, they would hold off on the new Fable and the new Banjo, potential Banjo games, and they would put that within the launch window for the new Xbox. Like, imagine having a new Xbox console launched with, like, Halo, Fable, and Banjo. That'd be fucking crazy. That yeah. would be pretty cool. Um, do we want to talk about Project Scarlet a little bit? Or do we need it's to? It's 128 frames per second, 8K. 
I don't know what any of that <laughs> shit means. Like, it's the next console. Um, Who gives a fuck? Like, it'll come out. <laughs> people will buy it. That's the end of that. <laughs> I don't care because I just have I, a PC that'll like, perform it anyway. <sighs> um, I okay. So you know the meme about the uncle who works at Nintendo. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of have an uncle who works at Microsoft, kind of, um, and I do have, it sounds like they may not be over-exaggerating about how powerful the system is, that I might actually be able to deliver what it says. I don't, there's no confirmation on how much it's going to cost yet, publicly. Mm, yeah, that, <laughs> um, that, that, not, that is the, the key. Scarlet, it's going to cost a lot more than it usually or they're gonna sell it at a loss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, King K, I don't know, like, which card you have, but... Like, I know Eric has a 1070, and it can run some games at 4K60. I have a 2080, and that can definitely do it. Um... Yeah, but it's just, like, my 2080 costs $900. That, yeah. That's how much it costs to get ray tracing in 4K 60. I, I don't know. I'm I'm dubious myself. There's no way it'll deliver, and if it will, it'll be like twelve hundred dollars. Like there's like, <laughs> and I'm not gonna buy we'll it have, if it's that we'll have, much. Like, <sighs> here's the thing. It, it depends, depends on, on what it. they mean the by 4K. The only thing that I would play is Halo, but I don't care about Halo Infinity much at all. I care about the Master Chief Collection, which is coming to PC anyway. And Halo is like the last thing that could get me to buy an Xbox. And now the one, right. the ones I care about are on PC, so I have no reason. Like it really is just about what games are going to be on there. I think Infinite's also coming to PC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it is because that's the thing about console gaming is the whole idea of it is that it's supposed to be cheaper and more accessible. And it is, because building your own PC is a pain in the butt. It's definitely <laughs> and it's more expensive. accessible, but if they go that route, then there's really no point. Like, I don't know. I, the only reason I buy, like, yeah. a play, the new PlayStation and the new Nintendo consoles is because they, they have the games to back it up, usually. PlayStation less so, but I have enough that I play on PlayStation that yeah. it's worth it. But Nintendo especially, it's like, you just gotta have it. I don't really like that. You have to have it, and at least Nintendo's doing something interesting with their console. But like, I don't know. Uh, if no. I want power, I'll just the, play my the PC. hardware geek. The hardware geek in me is is intrigued. We'll have to see whether they can deliver on their promises. They won't. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it, I have a feeling when they say 8K, they mean checkerboarded 8K. Because it's because they didn't say native 8K, and they didn't say native 4K either. And that's the thing, is there are ways to cheat There's and no make... There's no fucking way there's going to be know. an Xbox console that is native 8K. I know very, well, I know very yeah. little PCs that can do native 8K right now. Yeah. But I, I mean, even native 4K 60fps is hard to swallow. Even that. And it's just like the the Xbox One X can do it, but a lot of the games are checkerboarded in their 30fps at best. You know? And it's only been a couple of years since then, so 
don't know. We'll see. So, we'll King see. K, since we're also on the topic of Microsoft, I want to know your thoughts on Tales of Arise. What does that have to do with Microsoft? They were at Microsoft's like conference. Exclusive. I hope it's not exclusive, dear God. No, no, it's not. It's not. But that's what they okay. showed it off during Microsoft's conference. Because it looks really good. Yeah. Glad it's. Uh, what of game is this? The next Tales of game. Oh right, yeah, the new the action RPG like Tales like, game. Hey, we've been making we've been making these the same way for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just uh, let's kind of just go crazy. It's like like I love Tales of Berseria that came out in 2017. It was one of my favorite games that came out that year. Uh, but one of the issues that I've always had with the Tales of games is that they all kind of feel samey, I guess. Like they all look the same, yeah. sound the same, yeah. feel the same. But you really play it mostly for the characters, right? Yeah, in Berseria, as much as I liked it, it feels like as if I could play that game on the PS3. But this next game looks like the true next gen or i guess current gen whatever well it looks fucking fast like yeah. i'm not used to tails combat being that fast like it's kind of blew me away a little bit it feels like a natural evolution because tales of games have always had like action rpg elements to them where it was more like a fighting game in terms of battles, you know. So this just feels like the natural yeah, next step. I thought really. that was fine, but that's why I, that's part of the reason I dropped off the series is because like I played Tales of the Abyss and I loved it. I played Tales of Asperia, I love that. I played Tales of uh, Zillia and I was like, yeah, I like I like that. And then like Tales of Zillia <laughs> too, I was like, okay. And then like Zestiria, and then I know Berseria is good, but like. I just, I felt like I just didn't care anymore because mm -hmm. it was all like, because it was like, oh, it's just, it's like, it just feels the exact fucking same. Do all of them have the fake out final boss in them? Uh, of those, is of that those like a thing? Three, uh, did Abyss, Abyss had one, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, okay. Abyss had one, Symphonia I, I, had Abyss one. Abyss is kind of fuzzy. Don't, is that don't like, spoil uh, this barrier for me, I'm still playing it. Okay. Abyss had like, what did Abyss have that was fake? It so you you fight uh, Van uh -huh. at this one place, and it looks like he dies, and then it looks like the ending happens, and then you do a bunch of town hopping for like three hours, and the Grand Maestro Mose comes back and turns into a monster, and then it turns out Van isn't dead, and he brought up this like one town and made it float in the sky, and then that's the final dungeon. And then you fight him a second time. Oh, yeah. yeah um, Spoilers! I won't say specifically, <laughs> but Vesperia kind of does that, and it kind of pisses me off, <laughs> even in that game, which I love. But, um... I think all these games kind of have weird pacing issues. Like, I feel like every single Tales of game I've played has a point where you're like, oh, that could have ended there. And then it goes on for, <laughs> like, it goes on for, like, an entire another act. Vesperia does that. So what you're saying is that it's like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Zill Zillia <laughs> did that, definitely. Zillia was, like, all over the fucking place. I don't know what, like... I liked that game, but Jesus Christ, it was, like... Go to fucking... I don't even remember. There's, like, a town... It's, like, a dimension... Like a different dimension or something? Jesus. Mm. I don't know. 
My point is that uh, combat-wise, they all kind of felt the same. Yeah. And this one, it's like, whoa. Yeah, this game not looks only, fresh. Not only does it graphically look like an upgrade, the combat's like, whoa, it looks like, Jesus, it's actually different. Like, it looks super fast now, and like, maybe actually a hack and slash. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows if they've gone that far? Yeah. But like... I'm and interested. And like, the concept of the game is that <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of gave me like... I might actually pick this one up. The concept kind of gave me like, uh, like to an extent, Final Fantasy Thirteen vibe, where it's just like you got one planet, you got the other planet, and both planets are kind of like throwing shade at each other, and there's like all this conspiracy going on between the two. So that has me really interested because one of the things I like about Final Fantasy Thirteen was like its world building and the concepts and the themes and all that. So if they could put that in a more action oriented game, and shoot, let's go! I'm fucking down. Like, ugh, oh, it looks good. And speaking of traditionally turn-based franchises going action RPG, we gotta talk about the big one, boys. Final Fantasy VII well, we're not, Remake. We're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. We're still on Microsoft. I want to talk about mean? Spiritfarer. That game looks so sweet and charming and cute, and I, I love it. I didn't. You know, I'm gonna confess something. I didn't have time to watch the conferences for anything except Square Enix and Nintendo. Oh. So I have no idea what the fuck anything else was besides people who told did me. You, did you get to actually sit at any of the conferences, Dan, or no, did you just play games I on didn't. the floor? I was on a plane during Microsoft conferences. Okay. And then everything else was like, I didn't care about. Spiritfarer, so no. I want to talk about for a bit because this is one of those games I think goes under a lot of people's radar. And it's like, it's like a 2D kind of... It's like a game where you're on like a boat. Oh, and you get I to, remember like, this build one. Little settlements on your boat for like spirits, and then you can like go exploring, and you make the lives comfortable. You get, like it's like Animal Crossing meets Stardew Valley meets like it kind of looks like a roguelike kind of game, and then you have to like take the spirits to like the next life or something. Like it looks like a game that's gonna be like really sweet and charming and emotional and sad. And I like those kind of games. And I also like how this game has like a 2D hand-drawn art style. It's not like pixelated. Because I hate how a lot of smaller yeah. indie games, they use the pixel look as like a, like, like a crutch. And it comes off as lazy. And when I see stuff like this or like with The Lion Princess earlier this year or Rayman Legends or Origins, I just I see a lot more effort and a lot more passion put into it, you know? So I got to give a lot of credit to that, you know, yeah. how it's... It's vibrant, it's 2D, it's hand-drawn, it looks beautiful. So this is like one of my one of my most anticipated games for next year. Not my game of the show, but, you know, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> yep. to put that you just you just gonna have to feed games to me, because like I said, I didn't okay. watch any other conferences. Well, I mean the only ones I saw uh. were Square Nintendo and Microsoft. Before the big, there was I Avengers. Don't give two shits about the Avengers game. Oh yeah, uh, King K, you wanted to talk about Cyberpunk, didn't you? Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah. You're breathtaking. I, you know what? I seriously would marry him. He <laughs> is like, dude. He's like the most awesome person in the world. Like, have you watched his interviews? No. He's just so genuine. I love him. He's just like, he loves everything he does. He has an interview where he plays with dogs while he's interviewing. <laughs> plays with little puppies. 
Oh, and he, he's like, uh, <laughs> there's one point where the puppy's eating a shoelace, and he's like, oh, you go, you you eat those shoelaces, puppy. You eat my shoelaces. And then you watch John Wick, and it's like, what? But then, um, yeah, I saw Cyberpunk. I went, I actually had an appointment for Cyberpunk. I saw a lot of media people in the Cyberpunk booth, which was very strange. Um, it was good. I didn't get to play it, <laughs> but like I watched a I watched a fifty minute demo wow. that somebody else played and talked over. But you wait, know, so it, you like, had an appointment and you didn't get to play the game? No. <laughs> okay. But I mean, it sounds like you got it, fucked it was, over then. <laughs> well, nobody could play it at the entire event. So okay. That was the most anybody's gonna get. Only media could really see what they were showing. It's like, and I understand why, because it was, it's still pretty fucking buggy and weird. Like, it, it kind of had to like show it off that way, because there's no way it's in a playable state. But they still wanted to show it, so I'm like, okay. Wasn't it? Wasn't this announced last year? Yes. Yeah, I feel like it was the last thing Microsoft showed off in their conference last yes, year. Yes, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'm, yes. su I'm surprised it's not farther along than... Well, I mean, it's coming out next March. So it is far along. It's just that, like, it's not in a good state for people to play it right now. Like, they're still ironing everything out. Oh, shoot. When does... Okay. I mean, like, but that, that's the thing is, from what I saw, it made me want to buy it. Uh-huh. Because it, it is... I did not expect it to be as in-depth as it is mechanically. Because obviously the world and the story is going to be interesting, but like... This is straight up, like, Fallout New Vegas territory. Like, character building's off, like, you get a shit ton of choices to make based on your playstyle, your background. Build your character a certain way to make those kinds of decisions. So is it kind of like... This is a weird comparison, but is it kind of like Detroit? crossed with like watchdogs uh, no not really okay it's it's like Detroit in the sense that immersive sims I guess it's not an immersive sim it's more like a I don't know what you call it it's kind of like a a a true RPG, if you know what I mean, like, like a Dungeons and Dragons type RPG, where like character building is necessary to make choices. The thing is in Detroit, Detroit's like you decide who you are as you go along. These kinds of games are like you build a character and that decides okay. how you'll role play so, the game. So it's more like. How like in Skyrim you design your own character and pick a class well, I don't think and stuff like that. Creation, yes, does it? but with actual purpose. It uh, does. Yeah, it does oh shit! Creation. Okay. Yeah. It is like Skyrim, but imagine if those choices actually affected anything. Mm. Okay. Um, so that's a dig at Skyrim, by the way. So but, does that? So so what do you mean by affected things? Do you mean affect the story? Or... Yes, it can. Okay. Um, it's more of a gameplay thing, though. Story-wise, it could, like... They give you... There are certain dialogue options you cannot select if you're not that kind of a person. 
So like, there's like backgrounds you can pick. Like <clears throat> you can pick to have been on the street. So you kind of know when people are jipping you or like, like you kind of understand street lingo better. You're kind uh -huh. of a like blunt person if you pick that background, but you're, you're also like street smart. And then you got like the brilliant hacker who you, who is used to be like corporate. And so like, they understand that higher world of, and that kind of way of looking at the world. And so they get dialogue options centered around like being able to sniff that kind of stuff out. Um, hmm. It's more uh, gameplay though, in that like, so what they often do, and the reason that I love these things so much is that they give you a level, like a building, and you're supposed to dispatch like all the enemies and then fight the boss at the end. That um, sounds suspiciously like Luigi's hmm. Mansion 3. You ever notice <laughs> you don't see Cyberpunk and Luigi's Mansion um, 3 in the same room? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Just saying. So like, you'll be in there and you can be like, you could either go guns blazing or you go self. I mean, that's like in every game ever created, so that's not anything new, but... The way that you go about those decisions is different, though. Because there's stuff like, you can sneak around, and then you'll be presented with a choice. And the way that you solve that has different angles to it, depending on what kind of a character you are. So, like, if you're a good hacker, and there's a camera, and you want to be stealthy, you could try to find the access point for the camera, hack into it, and then you're hacked into the entire network, which gives you access to like the turrets and stuff. Hmm. If you, if you are like strength oriented and you go in guns blazing, there are doors that you can literally bust open because you're so strong. But you couldn't do that if you were a hacker, because the okay. way that you allot your abilities, they don't even let you. Like there are like you have to have limits. And if you spread it even, then you're not going to be able to do anything at all. So they basically force you to pick a path. And the, the appeal of these games is that they let you create characters that you want to roleplay as. So as I said, it's a true roleplaying game. And, that, and you approach, it's almost like you approach every situation, story or gameplay, the way that you would as, like, as the character that you're roleplaying. And the fact that they give you so many ways to go about the same task, like so many different angles to like play, like play how you want to play, go in guns blazing or stealth, but that has so many different branches. Like, how are you going to stealth? What kind of a character are you? What can you do? How are you going to do it? And it's just so appealing to me. You do that stuff in Fallout New Vegas okay. too. And the dialogue options are like the real draw too, like from a story perspective. Because that's what really bolsters it. That's where you're like, I am playing a character that I want to play. You don't need to be yourself. It's more like you've created a character and you're going to roleplay as them for the rest of the adventure. And that's just appealing to me because you get to be somebody else. Whoever you want to okay, be, so really. I, I, okay, so you're bringing up Fallout New Vegas a lot. Um, and we are still talking about cyberpunk, right? Like, we're not talking about outer, the Outer Worlds. It yes, we okay. are talking about cyberpunk, but cyberpunk is a game like Fallout New Vegas. Okay, because I know the Outer Worlds is made by the same people who worked on New Vegas. The Outer Worlds is made by Obsidian, yeah. who also made Fallout New Vegas and the first uh, two I, Fallout with, games. 
And they they also make these types of games, and that's why I'm also looking with, forward with, to the Outer with Worlds. Cyberpunk, I, like I haven't heard any of this stuff, but at the same time, it's like it's I, I feel like I've been through the song and dance before, like with Destiny, with Watch Dogs, with Anthem, where it's like you know you got really cool presentation, like you got really cool like E3 demonstration. You know, everyone's getting all hyped up for your game. Everyone's telling us like, oh my God, this game's gonna, it's going to be so great. And then when it comes out, it's just, it's not what it was promised, you know? So like, it sounds really cool. From what I've seen, it looks really cool. But again, I've done this song and dance so many times. I just... I think I would be less excited if I didn't know what kind of I mean, of I know it's being made was. by the Witcher guys, right? Because that's the thing, is that I've played games like Fallout New Vegas, and like, what else is there? There's like, um... There are so many other games like that. I think the first one was like... You got like, um... I think the Obsidian also made like... There's a game where you could play as like, mm. Pillars of Eternity. They made that. Divinity Original Sin also. Um, not by Obsidian, but it's the same concept. It's that type of game. So, like, I would also be skeptical. I, like, I'm skeptical about goddamn Watchdog Legion. Because that that's the kind of thing where I'm like, that sounds like that does not work. <laughs> that sounds like that's a too-good-to-be-true thing. But this one, I'm like, I've played a game like this, so it's entirely feasible. And I watched an entire level where they switched back and forth between different types of characters on the fly, which you can't do in the game but that would also break the game, that kind of game, so I understand why. And since I've played games like Fallout New Vegas, I'm like, whoa, yeah. I love that game, Fallout New Vegas. And I'm like, give me that, but in Cyberpunk. Like, hell yeah, Cyberpunk future. I mean, like, it just... The only way I can see it going wrong is if it's, like, super buggy. Mm -hmm which just happens with every game ever created. Like, that's just the potential pitfall of everything ever. Would you but say that this was your game of the show? No. I'm very interested so in So if it, I may ask, a... what is your game of the show? Is there anything we need to get to before we get to this uh, stuff? Like, anything, anything small that you uh, might well, want to throw uh, out? Romancing um, Sagas, that was announced at Square's thing. Uh, it's, again, more Japanese-exclusive games that are now coming westward. I'm excited for that. Final Fantasy VIII's coming to the Switch. That's neat. Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC? With PlayStation 2 yeah. graphics. Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC? Woo. Yeah. I mean, I'm fucking hyped for that. <laughs> I, will, I will give Nomura credit for this. At least he was smart enough to make the Roxas stuff optional this time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Don't diss that. I mean, I, don't diss I, I, I'm, I'm kind of Do like on the fence with this DLC. I won't get over it. <laughs> no, I won't get over yeah, it. Because it's a powerful it. moment that links in with the mechanics. I'm, so and I, I, I think it has no place in the game Mechanical whatsoever. Mechanical storytelling is awesome, isn't it? I'm kind Let's of like split on. with this DLC though, because like, you know, it's adding more story content. You know, whether or not that should have been in the base game, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this takes place like afterwards or what. I I don't know what they're doing. But when I see like 
Aqua being playable. That isn't that cage well, three in a nutshell. Is, is like, I don't I see, know what they're doing. I see Aqua being no, playable in the Clash. <laughs> I see like Roxas and Riku being playable in the Clash, and I'm like, I'm sorry, like that should have been in the base game. I want to know what else they're putting in to make it worth buying, no, but I, I think having, I think having them be playable in that Clash just should have been in the base game. I'm sorry, that's just me. So that kind of like bummed me out a little bit. That's just my opinion. What? Didn't need it. What? Mm. I mean, we I... should not talk about Kingdom Hearts. So I'm gonna warn you right now. We should just <laughs> Daddy, not do it. I'm I don't want to do this again. <laughs> I really don't want to do this again. Axel. Not right now. I'm I thought scared. we had time. I thought we had time. It's it's like Sonic Forces is my trigger. Kingdom Hearts Three is Dan's. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so let's move on. Uh, we're gonna talk about... <clears throat> okay, so was Final Fantasy VII Remake like your game, one of your guys' games of the show? Final Fantasy VII it's Remake is my game of the show. It's not mine. straight up. It came uh, close, but it's not Let's mine. talk about that. But it looks pretty fucking amazing, I'm not gonna fucking lie. <laughs> so I busted my ass to play that game because that was the longest line at E3. It was fucking crazy. Staff were yelling at people not to run to get in line. It was a fucking madhouse. But I got in. The booth itself was pretty cool. Because there were like Shinra employees there. And they were acting like they were Shinra employees. Like they, they were being stoic and standoffish. And if somebody asked them a question, they would just kind of like... They'd kind of like... They, you know, they, it's right. like they were role-playing almost. As like shady... Employees, you know what I mean? I think they were Turks, actually, which made it even more like. Were they in like just creepy. straight up suits or like uniform? Yeah. Yeah, probably. They Turks, were just then. in suits. Um, so that was cool. And you go in and you like watch. Do like, you a mean Shinra. like someone from Turkey? Oh. No, no. The Turks are an organization in Final Fantasy VII. Okay, um, like I thought, I thought you meant like they were like real life no, Turkish yeah, so they people. No, they were actual Turkish. <laughs> said that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I needed clarification on that because I was not just, aware. For all you need to know is there are people in suits who work for. They're like mercenaries. Okay, not really. Yeah, but um, you go in and they show you like a video of like Shinra propaganda. Like, oh hey, look at how beautiful our city is. And like he gets interrupted by Jesse, and they're like, "Oh, go play the demo." They teach, they give you the tutorial through the video. It's really, it's kind of, it's really mm. cheesy, but it's it was cute. And you play the game. So what I got to play was, um, you know, the section where you're first planting the bomb and you fight the red scorpion boss. So so basically boss, the like the spider thing. The opening ten minutes of the original. Yeah. Okay. But you start out in that, you know, that section where you're yeah. climbing down the ladder. You got to plant the bomb. That's basically the demo, is that building. Which sounds short, but like they actually expanded that building so there are enemies while you go down that you fight. Like Shinra employees and robots and stuff. Um, Shinra soldiers, really, not employees. I guess they are employees if they're soldiers, but... You fight them, you get a grip for the combat, which is like... I don't know what I kind of expected it to be, but not this. <laughs> like... Okay, so, so how I similar... I found out that the, 
the KH2 combat directors on this game, first off. So that was like, well, okay. And then the way that it works is that you get to play any, like, any of the character you want that's in your party. They give you Cloud and Barrett for the demo. So you can switch between them on the fly whenever you, like, you just press the up or down on the D-pad to switch between them. You attack things to build up your ATB gauge. And when your ATB gauge fills a notch, you can do a special attack like Braver or, um, yeah, well, I think Cross Slash is a limit. Gotcha. So it limits its own thing, but like, um, you can do abilities and magic if you have ATB gauge. Items also have to be done through the ATB gauge. But before you build that up, you can like walk around and do attacks like you would in like Kingdom Hearts or like any other kind of action RPG. And you do that while building up the ATB gauge. Like Barrett can hit the enemies that are far away um, or flying. And he has his own set of abilities that are basically the same as it is in the game. And so basically what you do is you, you play an action RPG until you build up a special attack and then you go into tactical mode and select the special attack. It has that thing that was in KH3 that let you, uh, when you're using the tactic menu, it slows the game down. Um, so it's it's like, it's almost like a hybrid. It's like, you can still strategize if you want because you have the tactical menu to like, pause the game essentially while you figure out what ability you might want to do. And then you can switch to another character after you've selected and then start doing work on the boss with them. So it's like turn-based with like infused with a bit of ARPG. So I think it's the best of both worlds. And I did not expect to like, I didn't expect to really love it. But the more I played of it, I'm like, whoa, these like attack animations make it feel so good. If it, it like playing as Cloud with the goddamn Buster Sword, the way he swings that thing around, it just like the combos that you get with it, you get air combos too. You can kind of tell it's the Cage 2 combat director. It's not as like bouncy as Cage 2 is, but it's. You can feel the his influence on it. Mm -hmm. And there's stuff like Stagger, which I loved in Final Fantasy XIII. That was one of my favorite things about that game, is the Stagger stuff. The Focus Gauge, which is also known uh. in this game. Where you have to weaken them, like, the boss in that is weak to Thunder, which Barrett has Materia for in the demo. In the game, you can just attach Materia to anyone, but in the demo, he had Thunder. So you'd switch to Barrett and use Thunder, and that would increase his Focus Gauge. I think the focus gauge works a lot more as an action RPG mechanic than it did in Final Fantasy XIII, but um, I'm glad it's there because you can kind of build up special attacks while focusing on weakening the boss, getting its focus gauge, and then when the focus gauge um, gets 100%, you do more damage to the boss because it's staggered. So that's when you unleash all your special abilities all at once, you know? So it feels like you're working towards something during the fight. It's super dynamic. Playing Final Fantasy VII and then playing the remake <laughs> is like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit. Like, they just, they add so much and it doesn't feel superfluous. And I didn't even grow up with this game and it has me fucking excited to play it. Like, to see, like, what, how much are they going to expand Midgar? They said that the first disc is going to be a Final Fantasy game's worth of content. The first episode, even. Like, yeah. Oops. I so cannot this... wait 
to see what they do with it. And that's why, because I played it, it was so fun. Like, it just has exhilarating combat. It just feels, I think it's amazing to me how much more exciting it feels to play this than to play the original, which yeah, is <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just kind of like, it is impressive. Boi- it is boilerplate Final Fantasy combat. I think the problem I have with Final Fantasy VII is the pacing is like, what the fuck? I, like, Ryan, yeah. you played it, right? It's like... Do you know what I mean when I say... After you get out of Midgar, it just goes like a fucking rocket. And you just bounce yeah. from place to place on a whim, like... Because they're just like, oh, we gotta find Sephiroth. It's Sephiroth like you're, was you're sighted here. And you go there, and it's like, oh, he's not here. And he's like, Sephiroth was sighted over there. And it's like, what? Like, And it's just like... The game starts to lose me there because I'm like, whoa, slow the fuck <laughs> down. Like, what the I, fuck? I had the opposite problem, though. I thought it became really slow and I didn't know where it was going. Well, it just felt like it felt like you went somewhere and then you were like, you did something real quick. And then you're like, oh, we got to go. And I just didn't get any time to like, <laughs> I was interested in the world a lot. And what was going on, but it felt like you bounced from place to place so fast. I kind of like that fuck? though. Slow down. Like the stuff that you do inside the towns were interesting. It just it kept losing me. It kept like raising questions and then losing me. And it felt like I was being led a- led along, mostly because I like it lacked detail. And like I get it, but like that's why I'm so excited for the Final Fantasy VII remake because I know what they're gonna do. They're gonna completely flesh out everything that they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're going to go full fucking hog. And I'm like, I'm excited for that because I love that world. I love the characters from what I've seen. And then like to have the cage two combat director back, it's like the combat is like a joy. Where is he There's been all this time? I dislike about. But, you I know, it's no like idea. the thing that, that has me a little <laughs> worried, though. Why wasn't he working on Birth by Sleep and all these other games? He probably he was probably working on something. I don't the thing know. That kind of has me worried with Final Fantasy VII though is that like, and this was even like, I found out this today. Where it's just like they have no idea. Like after part one, they have no idea what else they're gonna do. It's like they don't know like how they're going to handle the other parts of the remake, and that just like it tells me that they didn't really think all of this through, and they kind of jumped the gun. You know. And we don't know, like... Well, I don't know if that's necessarily what they're saying. In, in I sight. think it's more like... I think it's more like they haven't done it, so of course they don't know what they're going to do. I think they also felt that before they even mm. make, started making the game, you know? No developer truly knows what they're going to do until they do it. They can have ideas, and I'm sure they have lots of ideas. The game already exists, so of course they have ideas. So it's hard for me to think that they would, like... They're going to get to outside Midgar and they're just going to have absolutely no idea what to do. I don't think it's that hard to, like, translate anything. Like, because the the only problem I had outside of Midgar is that the pacing was really mm-hmm. fast. I like the places you went. Like, I, I liked when you dress up as a soldier. It was fucking weird, but I liked it. And, like, they could flesh out that entire place. So you're not in it for, like, five seconds. Yeah. You know? That's just the place where you go with the dolphin. You ride the dolphin over the fence. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that that stuff happens so fast, and 
I don't want the game to have super slow pacing, but I just wanted more time in each area. Because all of a sudden, you, like, you're at the gold saucer, and then you're below the gold saucer, and then immediately it's like Barrett backstory right now. And it's just, I don't think that mm -hmm. kind of thing is for me. That's fair. You know? I just, I'm more so just concerned about the direction where it's going to be heading after we get this game. That's really it. Like, we don't know how many parts this is going this is going to be. And that kind of has me worried because we have no idea how long it's going to take for them to actually finish the game. Like, not finish, but like finish the... Well, that's exactly why I'm excited. Because I've never seen a project go this fucking big. It just has me concerned. Time. What if I don't live long enough to see last it? Last time I saw something like this... Last time I saw something like this was like... Xenosaga, yeah. maybe? I see what you mean. PS2. Like, the idea of it is just... Because nobody is willing to try mm. that shit. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's willing to be like, we're gonna go full fucking force. We're not gonna cut shit. And yeah, that can lead to problems. But Final Fantasy VII is their golden goose. I don't think they're gonna, like... I really think Square's gonna give them the time to think about it. I think they know what they're doing. And based on what I've played and what I've seen, I have a lot yeah. of confidence in it. And it gets it has me real excited. I like I like I have not that much experience with it to be honest, but it was that impressive to me. Mr. Exo. Uh okay, so in my senior year of high school, I paid forty dollars for a PlayStation copy of Final Fantasy VII with the term determination to finish a second Final Fantasy game in my lifetime. And that ended up being five, by the way, because I love five. Uh, but seven, I was really into it in the Midgar part, which is only like a tenth of the game, if I understand correctly. It's not a very huge part of it. Um, and I thought that that's what the whole game was going to be, was you're in this kind of city controlled by this evil corporation that's exploiting the planet to their benefit and you're gonna be like a terrorist organism and that part I was really interested in I liked all the set pieces I liked the part where Clad dresses up like a girl which better um, be in the fucking remake and, by the way you know and you know then that culminates with the attack on the Shinra building and then Sephiroth kills what's his face and his son becomes the new Shinra executive or whatever and then then that shit Midgar is by far my favorite part. That felt perfect. Like, the way that was paced out, the way events were told, like, I think that's what it is, is that when you leave, that's when everything just lost me. Yeah, and I felt the exact same way, Dan, was like, I felt like the story was gripping me, like, the stuff that was happening was interesting, and then you leave Midgar, and it becomes the most standard boilerplate Final Fantasy game you've ever seen, short of the original, if you know what I mean. It just becomes like every other Final Fantasy game, where you have this overworld, and you run around and go to towns and, and stuff, and the stuff with Sephiroth didn't, it, you know, I didn't even finish the first disc, um, so I didn't really get that far, but the stuff with Sephiroth was confusing and didn't make sense to me, and I didn't understand why they were... Because part of the problem is I don't remember, because that's this was like six years ago. Um, but 
you know, that's when the game completely lost me because it just felt like it was becoming a standard Final Fantasy game again when the Midgar part was so fresh and interesting and wasn't like that. Um, and part of the problem with for me was that it's the same generic ATB combat from 4 through 6 except without the job system from 5, which is why 5 is my favorite in the series so far, and one of the few games in the series I've finished. Um, it just seemed like you wait for the bar to fill up and then you do an attack, and I've played this before, and it was boring. So I've, I'm interested in this remake, number one, because the presentation values obviously completely blow the original out of the water, that I think it's Tifa and Eric look so that. fucking beautiful. Ah, <laughs> you see, it's like the the like it's really hard to imagine how the original could possibly have been impressive graphically at any point in history. Like you look at those models, Eric's dress is literally a bunch of cubes. <laughs> It's ridiculous. That game looks like it was made for $5. Anyway. You know, that that's also... I, I, I never want to say this. Because I know people are like, but that's not fair. But, like, that's kind of part of the reason that I'm not into Final Fantasy VII. is because it's so hard to make out what's going on with the, with the like... But, you know, you... It's, I'm, like, it's so hard to make out what's going on because it's so, like, graphically weird. And it was the most expensive like, game that was ever made at that point. Yeah, and I, I want to say that, but people are like, oh, you're not allowed. But, like, that, that honestly inhibits my enjoyment of it. I, it I really do if think you it weren't does. There I, like, to experience I know they it. tried their best. I know it was what they could do at the time, but I'm playing it now. And, and it looks I, dated. I think seriously inhibits my enjoyment of it. It's like... Because, like, I'm not a gra Like, I don't need things to look great, but I need things to not look like that. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons, but the bigger reason for me really is just that I found the battle system so generic in the original and not that engaging. So the fact that this is going to be an action RPG, first of all, I think really does justify remaking this because like the gameplay is going to be completely different uh, from the original while still, you know, having like materia and stuff. Uh, but I guess what worries me, because, you know, that's what I would have said before we did this podcast, but hearing you describe the combat system, King K, it's giving me awful Final Fantasy thirteen vibes, and I'm not sure I well, like the, how it part sounds. Part of the issue with Final Fantasy thirteen was it's that it was like automated that. and that you also couldn't move around. Yeah. It's not, I, I don't want to give that impression, because it definitely is an action RPG. It's just that... When you well, fill it's... up your special gauge, you can pick what you want from a menu. It's 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 a lot like Kingdom Hearts. Okay. It, the, I mostly just said that because I know a lot of people like the turn-based. And what I was yeah. basically saying is that you can have it both ways if you want. Because when you press A to select an ability, it slows the game down. Right. Um, and then you can pick your ability, and once you pick it, the game speeds back up. It's like the menu in Cage Three. Well, so it's like let me let me phrase this differently: is that 
Square, I because it's like it's ironic. Like I complain about the original Final Fantasy VII battle system being like too cookie cutter, I guess. But Square also has a problem in a lot of their games. 13's and a fantastic example of this of taking something that should be simple and overcomplicating it to the point where it's you think inaccessible. Final 13's complicated. Check out Final Fantasy XII with the fucking license board. I don't even want to fucking know. Like I, I played ten for a little bit, and I got to like the level up screen. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> why, why, what is wrong with just having leveling up be automated? Seriously. Anyways, um, and yeah, that's uh, that's a concern I do have for the seven remake is that. I like that it's an action RPG. I feel like I'm going to be able to get into that a lot more than the original, but I'm also worried that they're going to overcomplicate it and that that's going to hinder my enjoyment of it. That's my concern. But yeah. I am interested. I am, and especially, it sounds like this first release, this part one, is just going to be Midgar, which was my favorite part of the original. So at the very least, I should like part one. So, like so. I got a I got a question for you. Yes. So, you know, we know Final Fantasy VII, that's King K's game of the show. Do you have a game of the show, I wonder? I don't think I do. Hmm. I mean, I guess... Uh, maybe Luigi's Mansion 3? I... Nothing really stuck out to me as, be, as being like, I absolutely have to buy that day one and play it. I gotcha. You know, this this theory like there were lots of good games that were shown off, and lots of stuff that like I can see people really wanting that, like Trials of Mana. That's something I was never gonna give two shits about, but hearing that it was something that's been Japanese exclusive for so long, I can understand why people are getting excited about that. But it was something I was never gonna get excited you about. Know, you know, my game, uh, my game of the show was also Japanese exclusive for. For a good while, this was a game that was announced back in 2012, uh, and it was confirmed to have a Western release, but it never, it never did. The, the game eventually launched in Japan in like 2014 or so, but never launched in America. People were asking why isn't it coming over to the states, and Sega pretty much said, "Oh well, you know, I don't know. We'll look into it," but they never did. But lo and behold, we are finally getting Fantasy Star Online 2. And I have been waiting for this game for fucking seven years. I mean, it's going to be eight years by the time it comes out. And fuck, man, this is like a huge victory for me. Because I fucking love the aesthetic of this game. I love the way how it looks. I love the way how it plays. Like, it, I don't know if y'all has ever seen any gameplay of Fantasy Star Online 2. But it's like incredibly fast. It's incredibly fluid. It looks gorgeous. It's free to play, by the way, which is fucking huge. Oh. But what's interesting, though, is that this game was made for the PS4 and PC, right? And it eventually got a port on the PS Vita and the Nintendo Switch in Japan. And we don't know if this is getting a Switch port or a PS4 port. We know it's coming to Xbox and it's coming to PC. And it's going to be cross-platform play between the PC and Xbox. Uh, so I, right. I, I hope it goes to other consoles as well. I hear that Sega's looking into it. But if it does, man, like, this is going to be fucking massive. This is going to be, like, this is... <laughs> I just, like, I, 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 I screamed. 
I, I screamed so loud because this was like the Half-Life 3 for Sega, you know, which is like the thing that... <laughs> I don't want to interrupt, but I'm watching a video of it. And it, first off, it looks faster uh -huh. than any MMO I've ever seen. Second off, they're fighting the Statue of Liberty yeah. riding a Sphinx. Yeah. I'm not what? shitting you. I don't know what yeah. the fuck I'm watching right now. Wait, is this the franchise with no, the penis monster on the... No, that's, that's okay. Persona. <laughs> well, Shin Megami Tensei did it yeah. first, but yeah. But, like, in, like, when this game came out, like, there were, like, fan translations that people launched. And, like, you know, there are ways to play it, like, on the Japanese servers and everything. Uh, but, you know, and, like, everyone who played it said it was, like, really freaking good. And now we finally... So what huh? took so long? Well, what allegedly, so long, from what I've read in the past, um, Sega had some sort of deal with a Chinese company that distributed the game in China, uh, saying that they can't really distribute the game on platforms like Steam or uh, whatever Epic has or whatever. You know, they couldn't distribute the game like that. And for some reason, that caused conflict with uh, something in America and Europe or something. Like, I'm not... 100% sure on the details, but it was some sort of deal between Sega of Japan and China. Like, there was some sort of, like, conflict there. I guess it must have gotten resolved, or I don't know if that was just a rumor or what. But all I know is that it's fucking happening. Yeah. And it's happening next year. I think they... I don't remember if this had, like, a release date. I don't know if it said, like, March or spring of next year. But when this comes out, that's all I'm going to be playing. This can't be a fucking MMO. This looks like it's the an fastest MMO. thing I've ever seen. And it's free to... Like, I'm pretty sure you have to buy the game. I think it's like $60 normally. But there's no subscription. And then when you look at something like Final Fantasy XIV, where it's like you have to buy the game for $60, then you have to pay monthly or pay annually, and then you have to pay for all the expansions, which are like $40, $60 a pop. It's like, fuck that. Like, Final Fantasy XIV, it's good. Like, it's well-made. But that thing milks you fucking dry. And I hate that shit. But PSO2, man, like, this is... This is it for me. Like... <laughs> like, like, on the... T like, my... I don't know why... Now they're fighting, like, a weird Power Ranger yeah. Megazord, like... Right after the Statue of Liberty riding a what? Sphinx. Has you. Fantasy Star always been that Fantasy weird, Star Ryan? is like, what if Final Fantasy was in space? And then... Huh. What does it have to do with the fucking Sphinx? And then Fantasy Star <laughs> Online came out for like the Dreamcast and the GameCube. I I haven't played those, but I hear those were phenomenal when they came out. How 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 could Fantasy Star Online have been on the GameCube if it's an GameCube online, online game? Yeah. Did it? You had to buy some. Like I you knew had to buy that there was sort of like. I knew that there was Xbox it Live. Had online, but it was a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, to you get. had to like buy a, a thing. I, this is the first I have ever heard of any GameCube game having yep. online play. Well, that's the thing is that only like only two games in the yeah. world supported it. So that's probably why nobody knew about it. You had to have like you had to buy some sort of like. I, expansion I'm just surprised they didn't like, put it on the PlayStation or Xbox. It's like something that plugs into your GameCube that plugs into. Oh, your... like the like the little something Ethernet adapter like for the yeah. Dreamcast. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, this is like, yeah. like is this 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 isn't. And meanwhile, again, in this, 2019, this, getting... you can't play you can't play Splatoon 2 with friends. <laughs> you know, 
Nintendo has come a long way since the GameCube. <laughs> you know, PS PSO two isn't like like Golden Sun levels of announcements for me, but like it's neck and neck for me. It's like I had that same sort of reaction. Like, oh, I fucking lost it. I lost it. Oh, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, and I'm just fucking happy. I can see all this weird shit officially, and like I don't have to jump through hoops to fucking play it. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, t yeah, I told. Let's see, like that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, though, Ryan. Like, I completely understand why people are excited. Have you seen for any that. gameplay of it, though? But it's not. No, but it's not. It's an MMO. I'm probably. You should, you should look into it. <laughs> You might like it. You might you might really like it. Maybe. I I have a my gut says I wouldn't, but anything's you possible, I guess. Look into it. Look, just watch someone play it. It's fucking ham. I love it. <laughs> it it's ham. ham, he says. It's fucking ham. Listen to what King K was talking about. It's fucking ham. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it for E3, fellas. I think that we covered everything. That's everything I had. I mean, Spyro's coming to Switch, which is pretty cool, but yeah. Spyro's coming to PC, goddammit, and oh, it's about Spyro damn time. Spyro coming on Switch! We got, like, Mario, Sonic, Crash, Spyro, Mega Man, and Pac-Man all on one fucking console. That's pretty dope. Yeah, and we have Spyro on a platform that can actually support a consistent <laughs> frame rate. So, yeah. And that's not the I'm Switch, my friend. The, the Switch version here. will run at 400p. I can play Spyro in my Yay! bathroom. <laughs> I could already do that on the PSP, friend. You can't play the Reignited trilogy on your PSP. You know what PSP stands for? Pretty small penis. You remember when they remember when all of all the people at school were like, hey, "That stands for pretty small penis." <laughs> I just fucking said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I That's just said that. EXO, replay me saying that shit. Mm. Anyways, fellas. Uh, yeah, we wanted to do E3 a little bit differently this year. Because previously I'd, it seemed like we'd, we'd go down a list of games. We'd get a little... So we, we tried something a little bit different this year, and I think what it worked for the better. What were your summer favorite games? Post a comment down below! Post a comment on this Call web action. if there were any games that you liked at the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Alright, that's it. That's all I got. See you Cha -cha, guys next real time. Smooth. When... When when we continue Sonic the Hedgehog the movie a Sonic Shut High School story. Talking about Majora's Mask next. I wonder which is oh, creepier. King K, you I wonder which will be creepier. Mask is the side dish. You wound me with that shit. Bye. All right.
please check out our channel on youtube.com for video versions of all our podcasts. The music used in this podcast is as follows. Aces High, Airport Lounge, Aperol Hour, Awesome Call, Bossa Antigua, Bossa Bossa, Chucky the Construction Worker, Continue Life, Cool Vibes, Crinoline Dreams, Deuces, Dirt Roads, Dispersion Relation, District 4, Eternity, Fireflies and Stardust, Funnin' and Sunnin', Funky Chunk, Hard Boiled, Hepcats, Honeybee, In Your Arms, Intractable, Jazz Brunch, Leopard Print Elevator, Lobby Time, Local Forecast Dash Slower, Loping Sting, Matt's Blues, Mining by Moonlight, No Good Layabout, Novel Noel, Octo Blues, Porch Blues, Porch Swing Days Dash Slower, Samba Isabel, Shades of Spring, Sidewalk Shade Dash Slower, Somewhere Sunny, Street Party, Water Droplets on the River, and Winter Chimes. All of these tracks were composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and are licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. This episode of the podcast was edited by Sonata-kun, who you can check out on YouTube at youtube.com slash sushiroto and on Twitter at twitter.com slash suziri underscore 07. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast and we'll see you guys next time.